Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Tony Dunn, and nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. Panther fans, what it is. It's your boy Cody Lashton coming back to you with another special edition of the C3 Panthers Podcast, baby. Look, we are going to be showing Frank Reich's introductory press conference as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. I got the Twitter page. I'm ready to refresh it. As soon as this thing goes live, if the YouTube goes live first, I'll be able to hit that first. Hey, man, I'm just pumped. I'm pumped like y'all are, man. I'm, I'm ready uh, to see what Frank Reich is all about as a head coach. And uh, your boy's rocking solo dolo today. What's up? I see everybody in the chat room on the C3 Faithful. Faithful. C-Dog in the motherfucking building. What's up, C? Dave Hino. John Jenkins. Hampton, Howie, what's going on? Matthew 447, Panther Gal. What's up, Panther Gal? Man, we're just excited, man. I'm excited to hear Frank Reich um, talk about his plans for the Carolina Panthers. You know, we're, uh, this is a brand new era of Panthers football. And now we get to see what our head coach is all about. And um, yeah, I mean, I hear you see, dog, uh, a lot of people are still very upset about Steve Wilkes not being named the head coach. And there's really not much I can tell you, man. It's going to burn until it's done burning. Um, you know, I, I would have been super happy if Steve Wilkes would have been the next head coach, but it just wasn't in the cards, man. Uh, this organization wanted to go with an offensive mind, and that's exactly what they did. So uh, that'll be interesting. interesting to follow. Um, you know, th- there's so many moving parts to this, you know, uh, about Frank Wright, not only being a former Carolina Panther himself, uh, but just everything that goes along with him being, you know, kind of from the Carolinas, it's kind of a homecoming for him. You know, a lot of us are wondering what kind of vision for the offense he's going to have. Is it going to be more of a pass first offense? Uh, are we going to run in the football like he did with Jonathan Taylor with the Colts? Uh, th- there's really just so many questions to ask. And by the way, uh, you know, I'm, I'm rocking solo dolo today. So if I have any hiccups with the volume or if y'all can't hear me, uh, just let me know. And I'll do my best to monitor the chat. But um, I don't know. I want to know how y'all are feeling, man. This is just me talking to the C3 faithful. How are y'all feeling about Frank Reich? Are you excited? Do you feel like this is a 
you know, that we're moving in the right direction? Are you kind of waiting to hear what Frank says before you judge him? You know, t- tell me what you're thinking, man, because I'm excited. I mean, I really am. If you look at all the other candidates that were in line for the job, I think Frank Reich, I mean, well, specifically all the offense coordinators, the Panthers had been talking to and interviewing. Um, I just think that Frank Reich was the best guy for the job. That he was the, he had the combination of everything you wanted. Not only did he have the pedigree, I mean, the man has a Super Bowl ring. You can't take that away from him. But, uh, I mean, what he was able to do uh, with the Colts and with Carson Wentz, I mean, there was some good things. And I've said on the podcast before, I feel like a lot of people kind of blame Frank Reich for everything that went down in Indianapolis. And I just don't know that that's fair. You know, it takes an entire organization, really, to agree on who their next quarterback is going to be. And it's going to be that same way this year for the Panthers. You know, they're going to be there. I'll tell you right now, the the front office is going to be split about who the next quarterback is. Just like Panther Nathan, uh, Panther Nation is arguing in favor of C.J. Stroud or Will Levis or, you know, some people saying Derek Carr or, you know, go get Trey Lance or go get Justin Fields. I find that funny because I'll bet you anything that the Panthers organization is also doing the same thing. There are people in the building who want specific quarterbacks over other ones. And that that's how it's going to be. You know, when that Joe Person article came out a couple months ago talking about, you know, the Panthers, first off, they really like Justin Herbert. They decided to not trade up for Justin Herbert. Apparently, David Tepper liked Justin Fields a ton. Didn't uh, draft Justin Fields when you had the opportunity. And, and that's because a bunch of people in the organization were like, well, no, we can go with Sam Darnold. Or, no, but let's go and get Baker Mayfield. Put Baker Mayfield on the Carolina Panthers. And who knows what, who knows what we would be able to do? And I understand the, the reasoning that goes behind that. But... I don't know. I just think that you have to take a swing on talent when you have the opportunity to do so. A lot of people think that this is the year for us to do so. Uh, Matthew 447 says, Cody, you think we should draft first? Man, I, I really, I'm not at the at the point where I've made up my mind yet. I'm really not because there's so many options available to us. Like a lot of people think, I'm anti-drafting on quarterback in the first round. And I'm not. I'm not. I just want them to make the right decision. And I don't want them to have to trade up and give up future assets to go get a quarterback who I'm a firm believer that all the big four quarterbacks in this year's draft have a lot of very real flaws that they're going to need to iron out and work through. And that they have a lot of questions around them that we're not going to get the answer to fairly soon. So depending on a quarterback to be able to come in in the first year and make you a legitimate contender 
it just doesn't seem very likely to me. And then on top of that, you're going to give up assets to move forward and then go get that veteran quarterback. I don't know, man. I don't know. It just doesn't very well with me, you know? Um, but like I said, <laughs> the Panthers don't give a damn what I want to do. Uh, not at all. Not at all. So, like I said, if we draft a quarterback, um, that's part of why Frank Reich is so interesting. Because a lot of people feel like if someone is going to be able to get the most out of a young quarterback talent, that Frank Reich is the guy to do it. And I don't know that that they're wrong about that. In fact, I would venture to say that they probably are right. And that's why I am a fan of Frank Reich. You know, nobody thinks Carson Wentz is a good quarterback now. But once upon a time, I am Frank. like the MVP of the NFL. So, I, I mean, it's, you know, you want to give Frank Reich some of the credit for taking a guy like Carson Wentz. And, you know, he, and even if it was in that one year, he was able to get something out of Carson Wentz that most coaches did not and could not. So I'm entitled to believe that this is a good thing. Um, Hey, tell me if y'all can hear this. I'm going to go ahead and play this real quick. Uh, The Panthers released this uh, this morning. Uh, This is Frank Reich answering his questions. Uh, Y'all tell me in the chat if, if you can hear this. Okay. And I'm here to answer a few questions so you can get to know me as your head coach. Football category. Okay. Do you have any game day rituals or superstitions? Do have a few rituals, you know, certain music. I have a playlist that I listen to in a certain way. Put my clothes on in a certain way. As far as playlists, there's really two. There's pregame when I'm driving into the stadium. I like my mind to be at peace, and I listen to uh, Christian music. I listen to one artist I listen to who – our whole family loves his charity, Gail. If it's a yeah, Frank Reich, a very religious man. Um, he attended seminary here in Charlotte, and it had me. I even went and looked it up. I'm like, what is seminary? Is it a Catholic thing? Is it like a you know, Southern Baptist thing? Apparently, it's just where you go to learn to be. Uh, you, you know, I mean, you could be a, learn to be a rabbi at seminary. So apparently, it's for a lot of religious denominations but uh spirituality like a lot of panther coaches is something very important uh to frank Reich. the post-game celebration i do have a playlist of of uh classic rock stuff that i really love to listen to you know boston to aerosmith to even kiss and that's really getting crazy like little nazareth hair of the dog i mean like my music taste is quite eclectic all right lifestyle Bro, imagine if you was just like, yeah, I'll play some Young Thug. You know, I like some OG Outcast. You know, give me some, uh, you know, give me some Kendrick Lamar. That would be cool if he was saying that. But uh, yeah, I guess you can't go wrong with Aerosmith. Uh, who is your hero and why? For me, you know, my hero was my mom and dad. I just thought really modeled for me what good work ethic is all about, what treating people right is all about, treating every person with dignity and respect. Wild card. Oh, I didn't want to pick this question, but what is your favorite movie? You know what? I'm not ashamed of this. You know, I'm a series guy. I I grew up a little bit on Rocky, on the Rocky series. 
as far as action adventure, yeah. that would have been even better. Kind of <laughs> in the Bourne series, the Mission Impossible series, you know, the James Bond series, those those all those all hit the spot for me. All right, so he's a versatile coach. You know, he, he likes a little bit of everything. You know, he seems to like the classic rock uh, and the, uh, you know, the Christian music, which, hey, I get that, man. Uh, I get that. Man, when I was in high school, pretty much all me and my mom listened to going to church with some, some or going to school, rather, with some Christian music. Yeah, man, people like that. Uh, and look, you know, I, I, I do think that there's something to that. A lot of people were kind of making fun of the Panthers because, you know, most of the candidates like, uh, you know, Frank Reich and Steve Wilk and Steve Wilkes and, um, you know, uh, what was the other guy that we were going to hire from? Uh, uh, he used to coach for Detroit. Anyway, there were, you know, a lot of the candidates were kind of older. So people were like, yeah, of course, we're going to go with this old dude. But listen, there's something to be said about the guy that's been around the block, the guy that's been in the NFL, the guy who has, um, uh, you know, he's been there, done that, man. He knows how an NFL team works. He knows how they become successful. He knows the right ingredients um, in, in order to build up a team in the right way. And, and that's important, man, because a lot of these young guys are kind of learning on the fly. So, for example, I'll say this. Um, and by the way, what's up to everybody in the chat? We still got more people coming in. My guy, Panther Pickle, what's up? Uh, ben Johnson, Supreme Leader Z, my guy. But, um, you know, I mean, just thinking about the coaches that we could have had, you know, a lot of people wanted Steve Wilkes, and I get that because of what he did this past year. But I think that if you weren't going to go with Steve Wilkes, having a guy who checks every single box is important. It really is important. And by the way, guys, one of the things that I'm learning, you know, everybody kind of felt Sean Payton was the big name during all the coaching hires. But in all honesty, the more you hear about it, everybody kind of viewed the Colts as really dumb for letting this guy go when they did. Like, if you've listened to the other publications talk about this, Frank Reich was considered to kind of be the bell of the ball in this year's coaching coaching search, you know, because uh, he does have a Super Bowl. He wasn't the head coach. He was an offensive coordinator, but he does have a Super Bowl. He does have a resume. He's very well liked amongst coaches and players. Like, I, I mean, really, this guy was uh, the highest up on a lot of teams' boards uh, to be the next head coach. So. I really don't know what the Panthers could have done, uh, you know, better than hiring Frank Reich. If you're going to go in an offensive direction, I just, <laughs> they could not have done a better job in my opinion. But um, yeah, man, I don't know. I'm hitting the refresh every, uh, every few minutes. They're set to go live at 12. So we've got about 14 minutes here. Uh, until it goes live, but um, the Panthers never go live on time, y'all. They really don't. Can I just do this? No, I cannot. Um, how about this? Yeah, let me play around, y'all. Oh, that's not good. 
Oh, snap. All right. So now y'all can see your boy while we're sitting here waiting. Y'all don't want to see my handsome face? Come on now. Uh, I'm going to read some of the chat room right here. The price is rock. Dude, we're never going to hear the end of all these Frank Rack puns. Tony, you know him, Tony and the dad jokes. He already can't get away from it. Uh, every single podcast. Uh, did we make the right decision? Is it the right time for the Carolina Panthers to hire Frank Reich? Dude, I love it. Dad jokes are the best. Jeremy Clancy, what's up? Never. Aw, you're so nice. I don't know if I'd say beautiful, you know, but that's all right. I'm at least a six. How about that? I'm at least a six, a strong six. What's up? Why, Big Jordan, what it is, dude? Yes, I also don't know how long I'm going to be live for. Maybe if there's enough uh, chat participation, I might um, open up the the stream if some people want to come in and uh, their opinions heard. Y'all tell me if y'all want that. If I get enough people requesting to come in and be a part of it, eh, you know, I might fuck around and drop the StreamYard link for y'all. What's up? See, I'm a nice guy, man. I like uh I like letting C3 Panther Nation be a part of the discussion. You know? If that's something y'all want, you'll let me know. Kobe Griffin, what's up? Alex Delgado. He says, I love you, no homo. Hey, I love you no matter how you like it. Aw shit. Your boy's a freak. Your boy's a freak. But no, I like the whammon. I like my whammon dog. Uh it says, Kobe, you should do your own channel. Talking prize picks and predictions. I'm not good enough, man. I don't win enough prize picks for me to have my own prize pick segment. I need to get your boy White Chocolate Espresso to have his own segment. That dude, he's winning all the time. You know what I mean? I think he's on a bit of a rough streak right now. But um, he's a lot better than me. Panther Pickle says CJ Stroud or Wait. This is kind of funny, Pickle, because once upon a time, none of us wanted the quarterback, right? We all kind of wanted to go best player of the ball, but C.J. Stroud has uh, gained a lot of traction. Is it live now? Hold up. All right. Thank you for telling me. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, thanks for telling me that it's live. Yeah, YouTube is uh, a lot better for sharing press conferences. Twitter. Twitter video sucks. I don't know if y'all know that or not. Uh, oh, great question, Vol Guy. Does Dave or Nicole introduce him? Yeah, I imagine that they would. Normally, whenever you hire a head coach, the owner, they're the ones that introduce them. I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe David introduced Matt Rule. So, yeah, I believe so. Uh, we should uh, get to see some David Tepper. I wonder if they're going to answer this. That's kind of what I'm wondering, too. You know David Newton is going to ask him about Steve Wilkes and, and, and make everything super awkward. But hey, man, hey, those are they're good questions. They need to be answered, you know. 
a lot of people want David Tepper to answer far more questions than he has. Um, will we get coach speak? Oh, definitely, man. Definitely. Frank Wright comes from a from an age of coach speak. Like that's that that's uh, what he's gonna do. But I do think that he's a genuine guy. I don't think he's gonna BS anybody, but to a certain degree, every coach kind of does the coach speak type thing. Um, yeah, I kind of hope you take some questions, Tyler. Uh, I, I really do hope to to hear from David Tepper. I think this has been, some, you know, such an involved process. I think it would be worthwhile for him to give an opinion on why Frank Reich was the guy, what put him over the edge. I, I think that's those are very, very fair questions to have. Chat room talking about Hendon Hooker. Yeah, and apparently Hendon Hooker, you know, he uh this is the uh Tennessee quarterback tore his ACL. Apparently he's ahead of schedule too. So he's already uh getting back to health. Apparently, I don't remember what it's for. Panther Pickle, you have to tell me. Um, but apparently Hendon Hooker is gonna be ready for I don't know, I think it's his pro day or something. I don't know, but Hendon Hooker is ahead of schedule, and a lot of people are interested in Hendon Hooker in the second round. People forget Hendon Hooker was in line to win a Heisman. Like, if he hadn't gotten injured, he for sure would have been a Heisman frontrunner. That's just, that goes without saying. Popping bullets, what's up, bro? Either trade up for CJ or just take who's there at nine. Or wait. Like I said earlier, I'm big on Jaron Hall. And he should be there in the third round. So, yeah, now that the season's over, we're into playoff football. I'm starting to look at more and more prospects and delving into their film. And uh, in the in the coming weeks, um, I'm going to be giving my opinion on, on most of these dudes. And we're going to be uh, doing some player breakdowns, covering what they do well what positions are going to be in play for the Panthers, all those different things. We're going to be looking at all of it. Um, yeah, and that's another thing about Hendon Hooker. Um, I think he already qualifies for an AARP card. <laughs> you know, he's, uh, he's older. You know, my man's 42 years old out here. So basically, we won't hear from Tepper. And, I mean, I don't know. We could hear from Tepper or we might never hear from Tepper. So I'm not sure. So Pickle said he'll be ready to throw around March. Um, and yeah, that I mean, March. So when is when is the the draft is in April? So his pro day will probably be sometime in March. Yeah, we might get a uh, <laughs> we might get a uh, uh, get a chance to see um, Hendon Hooker at his pro day throw the football around and the Duke can run too. Like, I think that's another thing people forget. Hendon hooker is mobile. Like the guy can move around. He's fast, has a big time arm, but, um, yeah, man, he, he can do it all. He's definitely going to get more and more interesting as time goes on, because whether you love him or hate him, some team is going to draft him. I mean, that's inevitable. He has too much talent. And uh, 
whoever picks him up is going to be getting a damn good quarterback. Now, a lot of the criticisms that people levied against Matt Corral, you can also levy against Hendon Hooker in that they come from a a play-action pass style offense. You know, it's a college-style offense. They game plan, a lot of the receivers open. Um, You know, it's what college style. But the NFL is moving that direction, too. The NFL is definitely moving uh, in the direction of, uh, you know, the play-action pass, RPOs, especially since these college quarterbacks coming out. They are doing so much of that. Why wouldn't you incorporate some of that to your offense? We did that a little bit for Cam Newton in 2011. Um, and I have no doubt that we're going to continue to do it. We were doing it last year with Sam Darnold. And I don't know about y'all, but at the end of the year, I felt that was the best Sam Darnold that we had ever seen. You know, that Sam was taking care of the football, choosing when to throw it away, knowing when to take shots downfield. Uh, I, I think he did a lot better. And by the way, speaking of which, uh, uh, let me see if I can pull this up right quick. The Carolina Panthers uh, have also made a few moves uh, fairly recently. I'll just go ahead and share this real quick. Don't worry. You won't miss a press conference. I promise. But this is big news. Frank Reich and the Panthers will retain James Campen and special teams coordinator Chris Tabor. Now, I love this, man. I mean, look, last year's offensive line was the best offensive line that I think I've ever seen for the Carolina Panthers. Just being real, man, that combination of Akemikwanu, Brady Christensen, uh, Bradley Bozeman, Austin Corbett, and Taylor Moten, dude, we put up rushing records for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I mean, that was an all-time offensive line for us. So, you know, why wouldn't you want to keep the coach that helped orchestrate one of the best offensive lines in the history of the Panthers? And he did it in, what, one year? Like, the dude is so well-respected. I think he has such a good chemistry already uh, with the offensive line as it is. That, yeah, why would you move on from them? It just didn't make a lick of sense. Um, So, yeah, I'm happy about that. And I think that speaks to Frank Reich's ability. And I said this to Tony on one of the Tuesday shows, that Frank Reich has an ability to put people in the right positions to be successful. Not just on the football field, but in the coaching staff. He can identify talent. He can identify the guys that know how to teach, that know how to build these guys up into better players than they ever have been before. So it's a very important trait. That's a leadership trait, no doubt. And that's what the the Panthers are in such a sore need of, is that leadership. Because Lord knows Matt Rule wasn't a leader. Matt bought all of his buddies from Baylor and thought that they were going to mount a successful NFL offense, and it was never going to happen that way, you know? 
So, and I still think uh, Joe Brady could be a good offensive coordinator one day, but that guy just, uh, it was too much too quick for him, especially with Matt Rule, like being a part of this team. I, I don't know, man. That dude was kind of doomed from the start. Um, yeah, it feels good not to worry about the O-line anymore. Yeah, how about that? It doesn't even seem like we need to draft offensive linemen. For the past, I don't know how many years, the Panthers have needed to draft uh, an offensive lineman, a, a tackle, a guard. But right now, we seem pretty set at that position. Uh, I've said this too before, uh, Salt to Cracker, Bozeman, Bradley Bozeman, out of every player on the Carolina Panthers, is the most important player that we need to resign this offseason by far, by far. And I know people are kind of talking about Deontay Foreman because he did a damn good job this year and he was running strong and hard. But um, I, I don't know. I just think Bozeman and that offensive line are the reason why we were able to run the football so successfully. So if you're going to continue to do that same thing, yeah, man, <laughs> you you have to have those offensive line pieces of it to you. Uh, Shane Falco, dude, I'm a Deontay Brown fan. I remember watching him at Alabama thinking, dude, this guy is an immovable object. So powerful, so strong. Um, and I don't believe he ever got a fair shake under, under Matt Rule. Just like Terrace Marshall Jr. Terrace Marshall Jr. was a no one when Matt Rule was the head coach. Point that uh, apparently uh, teams were calling, wanting to trade for him, and Panther fans were thinking, what kind of value could you get for trading Terrace Marshall Jr.? And that would have been the dumbest move ever. And then you see what that guy was able to do for the Panthers this past season. I have a feeling. Deontay Brown is a similar thing. You know, I know everyone said he was overweight and he had to lose like a bunch of weight or whatever, but some guys just function better playing heavier than others. So I kind of think that's, uh, that's, you know, I would love to see Deontay Brown get a shot. And Austin Corbett tore his ACL. So we don't really know the timetable of when he's going to be ready. Oh, shit. Here we go, boys. In the history comebacks in football history, one in college, Maryland, one with the Buffalo Bills against the then Houston Oilers. All day long. All, All right, I'm going to shut my ass up. All day long. Let's go. Keep bringing the energy. Keep bringing the energy. That's what we're talking about. That's the way to go. And we got your back today, though. I appreciate that. I got your back, man. I got your back. Frank Reich, the former Indianapolis head coach, being welcomed across the Queen City. Truly a new era and a new beginning for the black and blue and their fans. You know, to think that we're here now and uh, having the opportunity to be the head coach of the Panthers, a tremendous privilege, honor, responsibility. I'm just excited, ready to get to work. Let's go. I'm pumped, y'all. Frank, let me hear it. Let me hear it, Frank. We all welcome in Frank Reich today, our new head coach for the Carolina Panthers. And 
What you just saw, those were the first brush strokes on what is largely a blank canvas. When you hire a new coach, it's a clean slate. It's a barren blank canvas. But that canvas represents possibility. And in his career as a player and a coach, Frank Reich has always shown us what is possible. As you saw in the video, he rallied his college team from 31 down. Rallied his NFL team, the Buffalo Bills, from 32 down in a playoff game. We have seen him tasked as the new quarterback to steward a new franchise into a brave new world. We've seen him adapt to circumstances, like when he lost a quarterback in the midst of an MVP season, only to shepherd the backup to a Super Bowl win. Hey, how's the volume? He Can is hear a good? part Let of this franchise's it. origin story. First quarterback, he threw the first pass. He took the first snap. He threw the first touchdown pass. Frank Reich has been a part of many firsts in this franchise's history, and we're looking forward that you now get a chance to show us what's next. Before we move on, there's some people we'd like to recognize in attendance today. Panthers owners, David Tepper and Nicole Tepper, team president Christy Coleman, general manager Scott Fitterer, number of players have joined right. us today. I see Taylor Bolton, Brady Christensen, Dante Jackson, Jeremy Chin, Marquise Haynes, Chuba Hubbard, Icky hey. all here. Squad. in attendance today as well. Squad. Alton Bailey, John Casey, Pete Metzelars, who caught that first So I don't think we're going to be getting Tepper. Mark Rodenhauser, Dwight Stone, and Gerald Williams. We also have the family of our new head coach, Frank Reich, wife Linda, children Hannah, Leah, and Avery, and their husbands, Andrew, Thomas, and Brett. Thank you all for being here. Thank you to celebrate this momentous day. It's my pleasure now to welcome to the stage the owner of the Carolina Panthers, David Tepper. Oh, we are getting some David Tepper, y'all. Let's go. All right. All right. Interested to hear what Tepper well, has to did say. a good job uh, taking half of what I was going to say away. So, um, but I just want to just recognize a couple of things about Frank. He's a man of incredible integrity, an incredible family man, um, a person that we could tell has great process and a great way of doing things. Um, you know, that, that basically has, you know, a guy that basically checks all the boxes and a guy that you really want to basically help build a culture and help lead a team, um, hopefully for the next few years and beyond. Um, there's really nothing else for me to say. I'm just going to turn it over to you, Frank. We're really excited about having you here and helping us to build something great. Yeah, shakes the hands of all the players first. I love it. That's what you gotta do. Well, just want to begin by saying thank you. Thank you to Mr. Tepper and Nicole Tepper for just an incredible opportunity to come back home to lead a team and a franchise in which we were here at the beginnings 
um, but to take on new challenges and to take us to new heights. We know that's a collective process. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to work under the leadership of an owner and his wife who have already accomplished crazy things in their own life. I want to tap into that energy, that expertise, that innovation, the creativity to be the best. Um, as I went through the interview process, that's what I heard very clearly from Mr. Tepper. That's the standard. That's what we're reaching for. Nothing but the best. Let's be excellent. Let's have a consistency of excellence in everything that we do to create a championship caliber team and a championship caliber organization. This is the NFL. The difference between winning and losing is really small. Every year we see it. We see teams go from big time losing to big time winning, even competing for championships, all in the space of one year. It's possible. But how does that happen? How do you turn things around? The reason we see these things happen is because what we are already instinctively know, that winning, the difference between winning and losing, it's in the margins. It's in the details. It's one player at a time. It's one play at a time. It's one detail at a time. It's about focusing on getting it right, not who is right, not being right. We're going to get it right together. It's not a one-man show. You will see that as a, as a coach and as a coaching staff, we will collaborate. We will collaborate with ownership, with Scott Fitter, the GM, with Christy Coleman, the president, the whole crew. We will collaborate together to create a, cha a championship caliber organization. And we will collaborate with the players, coaches and players together. This is a player's game. If there's one thing I know being in this business as a player and coach for 30 years, this is a player's game. There are the stars, right? But we do it together as a team. There are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. It's all about the process. It's all about the people. And so we're just going to focus on progress, getting better every day. There's a quote that's been on my desk since my rookie year in 1985. And you'll hear me say this a lot. And it says this, that no man becomes suddenly different from his habits and cherished thoughts. You know, no man becomes suddenly different from his habits and cherished thoughts. And so we're going to be a team and an organization that is about creating championship habits, championship thoughts. We're going to cultivate those. We're going to nurture those. And those are going to grow. They're going to be infectious. Um, we want to feel those. And we want to feel that in the community. And we're so excited to really partner with our fans because that's a very important part of the process. My family's already been acknowledged, but I, I want to acknowledge them again. My wife, Linda, we've been married 36 years, partners for life. We're a football family. Um, Linda and I, as we've moved around the NFL, we, we only know one way to do it. That's to dive all in, to dive all in. Obviously, I'm diving all into the football process. Linda's leading our efforts as a family to dive into the community and what we do from a charitable standpoint to help serve this community. So we commit to you and we promise to you we will dive all in. Uh, this is about football and this is about winning. That's why I was hired. But... It's also about doing it the right way and being part of something special. Of course, our daughters, Leah, Avery, and Hannah, um, was mentioned in early to a group that, that we're a football family. These girls, they all throw a pretty mean spiral. I taught them when they were young. Um, I'm not sure they still got that in their repertoire, 
they're all, we grew up, they know the X's and I used to take them on dates nice. and teach them the X's and O's and the whole deal. And then of course our son-in-laws, Thomas, Brett and Andrew, uh, when they it met our daughters, I had to tell them to put all, all their, they're all from North Carolina. So they all had their Panthers gear. I had a, of course, when you're with other teams, you had to tell them to put that all in the back of the closet. Well, now I told them you can bring that Panthers gear, put it in the front of the closet, right? Put that back at the front of the closet. And then I want to acknowledge my former teammates from that 1995 season, the first season ever. What a great experience to be a part of a team, the first inaugural season, special memories for us as a, as a team. Um, Carlton Bailey, John Casey, Pete Metzlars, Mark Rodenhauser, Dwight Stone, and Gerald Williams. Appreciate you guys being here. And then, of course, just the friends in the community, the support has been overwhelming just in a short amount of time. But in short, as I wrap up, the vision is clear. As we talked with Scott Fitter and with uh, Mr. Tepper, it's to bring, to create a band of excellence, create this consistency of excellence that at the top end is championships and at the bottom, at the bottom end, we're, we're a playoff team. Create that consistency of excellence that produces championships, that brings championships to the Carolina, to the Carolinas. It takes four pillars to do that, right? If you're going to build that cali championship caliber team, it takes... Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. It's four pillars. It's ownership and the organization. I was telling a bunch of people earlier, my, through the interview process to get to know Mr. Tepper and Nicole was very dynamic to see and hear and feel their vision, but also to feel um, the conversation that we had, the partnership that started to, you could start to feel as we went through um, the interview process. Uh, that's a big deal. And of course, it's not just the ownership, it's the whole organization. For me to get a chance, the most important relationship is really with Scott Fitter, the GM. Head coach and GM, you know, we got to be like this. We're together every day. We got to, with, along with Mr. Tepper, come up with the blueprint of what this team is going to look like and who we're going to be. So really excited to work with Scott. Class act. We're going to fit together perfect as I'm getting to know him. His expertise um, is going to be a, a great asset to me and to our team. And so looking forward to that partnership. Uh, and then of course, with Dan Morgan, his assistant, we, I go back a little bit with him uh, and Samir and uh and then even working with Nicole on the business side and Christy Coleman on the business side, for us, that's, that's a very important part of it as well. So it's about ownership. It's about the players. That's the second pillar. The first is the ownership. You got to have the right ownership to get championships. You got to have the right players. I'm ex really excited about the roster that we have and the roster that we're going to continue to build. This is what it's all about for me. It's about the relationship and the connection with the players. We give trust to each other right away, but then we continue to gain trust in each other as we work through and go through this journey together. And then it's about the coaches. Um, you know, one of the things that Mr. Tepper made clear is we're going to get the best of the best. He's willing to help support that effort, you know, to get so that we get the best, not only the best, but, but the best for our team. So we have the right mix of coaches. Um, and we will have a great coaching staff. And then lastly, that fourth pillar, it's about the fans. I mean, we're at that time of the year. There's nothing like seeing a football stadium rocking. 
when a team is having success and when we're given the community reasons to be excited about, it'll be a special time to be in that stadium and to be walking around the city wearing, wearing the Panthers logo. And then just finally, right, those are the four pillars. And then just finally, this is really to the players. This is really to the players that are here and the ones that uh, might tune in and they're gonna, they'll hear this soon enough. There's three primary principles. There's three primary principles that we're operate by. The first is a relentless pursuit to get better every day. We got to have a relentless pursuit to get better every day. Nothing can ever get in the way of that. We're committed to that, to push each other in every way. We got to get better every day. No one has all the answers. We work together, we collaborate, and we push each other to be the best. The second one is that excellence comes through competition. We're going to compete in everything we do in meetings, in the weight room, on the practice field. That's just what, that's the way you get to be the best. You have to compete against one another and bring out the best. And then of course, we'll enjoy competing against the opponents. That'll be a lot of fun and put that on full display, right? And then um, lastly, it's gonna be about the team. The team, the team, the team. We will celebrate, we got great individual players. They'll, they'll hit many individual milestones and goals and we'll celebrate all those but the team always comes first. That's what we're gonna be about. And then in closing, I would just say this, we're gonna bring a, a, a brand of football and a style of football that this city can be proud of. It's gonna be exciting in all three phases. Um, it's gonna be innovative, it's gonna be creative. We will always be working to get better. And then we're gonna do it the right way, on and off the field. We wanna make you proud. And so just thankful to be back and I'll open it up to questions from there. Yeah. Thank you, Coach. Uh, as as he said, we will open up to questions. Uh, we do have mics in the in the so crowd. No so keep please pounding. raise your hand. I don't know if y'all to get to hate that we'll or love with, that or uh, not. Steve no Reed keep pounding. By Joe Person and Scott Fowler. Hey, Frank. Frank Steve Reed from the Associated Press. Um, first of all, welcome back to Carolina. Um, I, I wonder if you, you know you could talk about the roster that you you're inheriting here and, and as you're going through the uh, interview process, what were your thoughts on the roster? Where do you feel like it needs to get better? What, what do you see as, as some of the strong suit? I think the defense has been obviously a real strong suit, been top, top level defense, but we're always looking to get better. To be honest, here's what a top, here's what a top five defense gives you an opportunity to do. Top 10 defense is gonna give you a chance in every game, but a top five defense is what really can elevate you um, as a team that you can not only be in every game, but you can find a way to win every game when you've got a top five defense. So we understand we're in a league that is, uh, you know, offensively driven in many ways, but kind of the secret sauce is create and build upon the momentum that we have here, the players, the roster that we have here on defense, get the right coaches. So we have the right scheme that accentuate their gifts. I'm not going to go through player by player. Scott and I have sat down, started to talk about that. There's still a whole lot more study that needs to go, but obviously that stands out. And then offensively, and then offensively was really encouraged as I watched kind of the second half of the season and dig into the tape a little bit. There's so much to build on the offensive line, the running game. Um, you know, we got receivers that can get vertical down the field. The run, you know, the running backs were strong. Foreman had looked strong at the end of the year. That's going to be really important for us to get the ball vertically down the field, continue to build this roster so that we improve in all three phases, which of course also brings you to special teams, which were top ranked special teams. Uh, you know, this past year, and we, we look forward. That's that's an essential part of a championship caliber football team. I kind of think Ben McAdoo might stay, y'all. Good to see you. Uh, two questions. Will we'll talk about it. Offensive plays, and then secondly, 
did your experience in Indianapolis, will that make you more likely or more convicted to do the draft and develop route at quarterback? As far as Colin plays, um, I'm going to wait to see that we get the offensive staff together. Obviously, I've always enjoyed doing that. Felt like I've had a good bit of success doing that um, and enjoy doing that. Um, it feels to me there's a little bit of a trend going away from that. I, I want to re continue to re-examine that, and it just depends on how the staff comes together and the coordinator thing. I'm excited about the prospects of some of the guys um, that are out there um, that could be our offensive coordinator. So I'll wait to make the final decision on that. And part B of that question was, You got to have stability at quarterback. You, you, you know, you want to have stability at quarterback. So um, the good thing that I've learned in my past experience here uh, in the past experience in a few years is we've learned how to adapt to different styles of quarterbacks, but that's not the ideal situation, right? So we, Mr. Tepper, Scott, myself have to commit to what's our blueprint, where, how are we going to maintain stability at quarterback, make a plan and then execute that plan. Frank. Uh, over to your left. Scott Not a Fowler. lot there. How hey, are you? Hey, Scott. But I don't Glad to see you again. Welcome back. Yes, sir. I wonder two things. One, if you could give us a couple of the specific 1995 memories you have from here. And then secondly, if you wouldn't mind evaluating a little more specifically the quarterbacks currently on this roster. Yeah, the memories from that first season, of course, we didn't play here. We played in Clemson. So one of the memories is the bus rides. Um, you know, it's the camaraderie of the players, right? Your teammates, you know, we're on these long, you know, we got home games that we're busing to that are, you know, several hours away and then traffic coming out of Clemson was, you know, always a little bit slow, even with Go the Tigers. Um, but those are great memories. Those are great memories. Uh, I won't go into the details, but some of the memories of our practice facility that year in the showers, um, there was a unique showering situation. I'll just put it that way. Um, that was unique memory. And, you know, <laughs> oh, touchdown to my friend Pete Metzlar's, of course, first touchdown in Panthers history. You know, I don't have, to, you know, as a career backup quarterback, I don't have too many highlights. But, uh, you know, to have the first touchdown pass in the team's history is pretty special. Um, you know, and then that first game in Atlanta, you know, we're playing our very first game in team history in Atlanta with, you know, thinking, you know, you're even going to have a chance and we take the game to overtime. And we ended up losing in overtime, but I'll never forget that first game. I want to know what happened in the showers. <laughs> like what? Hey, Frank, Phil Orvin from WSOC in Charlotte. I'm I'm over here to your left. Um, I'm I'm curious uh, what what it was that brought you to Charlotte and kept you to Charlotte in between your playing career and your coaching career. What what drew you drew you to the city? Introduced our daughters. They were all raised here. You know, we lived here for 13 years before. Um, you know, transitioning full-time uh, before transitioning full-time. So, you know, our, one of our daughters, our youngest daughter, Hannah, was born here. But they were all raised here, went to school here, high school, the whole deal. So this was home, This was instantly home for us. You know, we had oh, 10 years up in Buffalo, which were amazing 10 years playing up there. And then I played for three other teams as I finished my career. They sure didn't, but Jordan. When we were looking at, hey, where's home base going to be long-term? It was the Carolinas. It's always been the Carolinas for Linda and I. We've been, like I said, we've been married a long time. And when we started talking about where do we want home base to be, we just fell in love with this area, with this city. Um, and so this has always been part of the master plan. And then to think I get to come back and do it as a head coach, uh, that's insane to me. So let's go. 
Hey, Frank, Mike Kay from the Charlotte Observer. Uh, when you got to Indy, it was kind of uh, an unusual circumstance where Matt and, and a few of those coaches were already in place. I was just curious, what did you learn from your first staff building experience in Indy, and how will that impact uh, building a staff here now? I thought we built a great staff. We had really good diversity of thought, diversity of personalities, diversity of coaching styles. Um, I think that's important. The chemistry of the staff is really, really important. Um, I think that's one of the lessons learned, you know, as a lot of those guys were very successful and went on to be head coaches and coordinators with other team, which I think is a good sign that we did our job the right way to start. But then you start losing those guys and you got to replace. And this goes back to Mr. Tepper's point. Um, you know, we had good coaches. We had good coaches in all places. And, you know, but there's still something about chemistry. There's still something about chemistry. And, and that's my job as a head coach to make sure that's right. Frank. Ellis Williams here, Charlotte Observer. Um, you've been doing this for a long time. You've been around a lot of offensive creative minds. I'm wondering, from your two stops in Indy to Philly to Arizona to San Diego, uh, what are your offensive philosophies and pillars, and, and what are you going to bring and lean on from those when you build this Carolina offense? It's a passing league, but you have to run the ball to be a championship team. You know, I mean, there's exceptions to that. But when you look at the, the analytics, the statistics over the years that – um, you, you've got to be effective running the football and efficient running the football. So um, that's one of the reasons I'm excited about this roster. I know we can do that. We'll get the pass game right, but I, I know we can run the football and we're going to run the football because that just builds off the play action, off the RPO stuff, you know, all the movement stuff. Um, so that's what you want to build. What offensively you're always trying to do is to create conflict in the defender, put a seed of doubt in the defender's mind. You know, is it run? Is it pass? Is it the RPO? Is it a first level RPO though? Is it second level? Is it, you know, are they going deep? So um, complement everything together, have, you know, but you got to, you got, it starts with running the football. And then the second principle is you have to get the ball vertical down the field. You have to get chunk plays, all the statistics, all the analytics. That's one of the reasons why I'm excited to work for Mr. Tepper, because right. If anybody who knows analytics, it's him and his, all of his businesses, but he, he gets this as much as anybody, but like you got to, it's hard to go 14 play drives all the time. You've got to get the, you got to get chunk plays down the field. So we need to be able to run the ball, have play action off it. We can get it vertical, have the kind of players and quarterback that can do that. Oh, that does stay back um, around, it's baby. Three months since you were fired in Indianapolis and now a quick turnaround here. Not too many coaches get this opportunity this quickly. I'm wondering if you've had time to reflect what you've learned from your time in Indy that you will then implement here in Carolina. I did. It, it, I did. In some ways, if there was going to be a transition, it was a blessing in disguise, you know, that I really did. Okay. I was talking, we were talking earlier with a group of people, um, you know, in, in the NFL, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have successes and failures. We had four years of good success. And then you go through uh, one year where you're struggling, where there's a struggle. And now you have a chance to reflect on that. And it's like, you know, it's like getting an app. I like to talk to the players like this, you know, in apps, you get version one, then there's version two. I feel like this provide this provides me an opportunity to debug some things, make things better. Now come out with version 2.0 or version 3.0. It's better. It's cleaned up. The important thing is though, that you're starting with a good product to start, which I know we are. So now we clean some things up. Like I said, staff, vision of the offense, complementary defense, you know, and that high level of special teams play, all the areas that we'll, you know, that we're really going to focus on on a team. Um, and then how to, how, to, how to stay true to the process, manage expectations in a way, keep, 
keep our team focused on the right things, and then keep challenging and pushing, challenging and pushing. Ultimately, it's got to come from the players. The head coach and the coaches can only do so much. The leadership has to come from the locker room, right? I got a role that I got to play, and I'll, and I'll do the, my best to play that role. But ultimately, that leadership's got to come from the players as well. David Newton, and then Josh Klein, please. David Newton, come David on, David. ESPN.com. Not sure what I asked you in 1995 first. Probably could you be the starting quarterback? But I want to follow up on one of the questions over there. What exactly went wrong at Indianapolis? And are any correlations between what you've seen the last five years here in your brief evaluation of why this team hasn't been successful? I think what went wrong was, you know, we had this – in four years, we established uh, – not we. In four years, it was established that uh, that team, we were running the ball well. We were, we were we're like, we, well, like we're going to do here. And then as this year started out, that, that the running game disappeared. And, um, and then we didn't get the ball vertically down the field um, a lot because of that, and we ended up having some breakdowns. Now, and that's on me as a head coach. I got to get that right. That's that the responsibility starts with me, right? So when, we, as the when we don't reach our goals, it's a it, it's under my leadership, and so I have to take. And that's why and that's why I have an opportunity to be here. Um, but ultimately, I also feel I look back and I also say, well, part of what went wrong. Part of I always feel like I've, we've had uh, had a good. I've always had a good track record of the second half of the season as a head coach. If you go back and look at the record in the second half of the season, you know, so there's a little bit of side of me that says um, we're going to, we've, we've had a way as a staff of figuring it out. Even when you go over a few bumps, I think we're good at figuring things out, injuries, things you have to get past, putting players in the best position. So um, that's, that's a lot of fun to do. Putting players in the best hey, Frank, position. Frank, uh, Josh Klein from the Riot Report. Um, you already talked about your memories from 1995, and one of the first pictures that the team put out to announce your hiring was a picture of you and Sam Mills. And I was wondering if you could talk about a little bit about what uh, Sam and Keep Pounding means to you specifically. There we go, Josh. He's Sam, captain of our team. I mean, he was he was the lifeblood of our team. That first year, we knew that we were having a special experience, and and Sam was at the center of that. You knew when you walked. And Sam was in the room, you knew it, you felt his presence, you felt his leadership. He had very high standards. I think that's what stands out to me most about my memories of Sam. His, his, his standards were just so high personally. He drove himself, his work ethic, how he prepared, how he practiced, how he played. Oh, I, um, and then it just exemplified that keep pounding, which to me ultimately um, is about a sign of being committed to the process that even though there's going to be some bumps along the road, if we keep pounding and we keep believing we're going to get it right. Go to Mike Slarkin and Richard. Frank back here in the, in the back straight to your left. It's good to see you again. Mike Slarkin, Spectrum News One. Uh, you talked about the relationship between the head coach and the general manager, you and Scott Fitterer. Is there a, is there a, uh, for lack of a better description, balance of power input. I mean, how do you see your role in helping to build this roster? Is it giving Scott a name you like or collaborative or, or where do you, where do you start with that? Yeah, it's balance of power. Scott will have control of the 53, you know, I'll, I'll control who's active and who's not active, but ultimately this is, you know, that's on paper, you know, in reality, this is a hundred percent collaborative. I can already tell that with Scott, we're going to work side by side. We're going to, we're going to, tirelessly work where we're going to have the same vision we'll have disagreements you know we'll have disagreements we'll have different 
ideas, but uh, ultimately we'll come together as one and decide who are the best players on this team and how to build this team. And along with the scouting staff and the coaches, you know, we'll work together. Um, so I look forward to that. I, I can already tell with Scott that partnership is going to be a highlight for me um, and looking forward to getting work as soon as we possibly can. Frank, Brett, excuse me, Brett Jensen, WBT News. Uh, I'm just curious, getting back to quarterback a second, what type of quarterback do you prefer? Do you prefer a running style quarterback where you mentioned the RPOs more like, you know, J you know, Jalen Hurts, or do you prefer more of a traditional drop back type of quarterback? What do you prefer? We all know where the game's going, right? And we all, we all know the game is going to, you know, a more movement style quarterback. Um, I embrace that. I, I love that. We worked with some, you know, in Philadelphia, had worked with Carson Wentz, and we did a lot of good things, did a lot, got a lot of good things with movement, RPOs, play action, all that stuff. Um, same thing when we were, same thing in the years in Indy. You know, we had some drop back, some movement guys. Um, and so ultimately, we can adapt to whatever, but uh, where the game is going, and most of the guys coming out in college have more movement. So, you know, right, right, that has some advantages. The defensive players will tell you when that quarterback is back there and he has a threat to run, you know, you watch Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, you know, which our offenses are, you know, are very similar just because of our connection with Nick Sirianni and so on and so forth. And the quarterback's running his own read and he's a threat to run. It just puts the defense in conflict, right? Slows the backside down. We have a saying that we'll say on offense, front side wins, wins games, backside wins championships. Front side wins games, backside wins championships. Okay, well, if the backside wins championships, and if I got a quarterback who can run, and he's hold, and he's making that defensive end hold his hold his water, or making the linebacker right. hold the water at the second level, this is going to give my guys more room on the front side. It's going to put the offensive lineman in a position to have better leverage. So, if you got that guy, that's the game you play, and you put it to the player's advantage. But if you, at some level, even those guys. And we're and Mr. Tepper and Scott and I talked about this. You got to have a guy that can win from the pocket. We're not going to drop back. If we have one of those guys, we won't drop back 50 times, but you got to drop back 10 times. It's third and 10 and the game is on the line. You got to be, you probably are playing from the pocket so we can develop that as well. You want to be able to uh, understand who you're drafting or understand who you're acquiring, continue to develop them as a player we can all get better. I can be better as a coach. They can become better as a player, whether we're you know, signing a guy or drafting a guy. Um, but ultimately, that's the challenge, and that's the that's the excitement of it. I love that answer, y'all. That was my favorite answer hey, Frank, so it's Chris far. Chris with Charlotte Vibe. This was a process that took several weeks Chris. and several rounds with candidates. In your eyes, what made you stick out specifically to be the chosen head coach for this Carolina Panthers team? And then I have a follow-up. Well, obviously, you know, I think that would be more a question for, for Mr. Tepper and Nicole and he Scott said both, Jordan. and the crew. Um, I just know this. I know there's more than one way to do it. You know, it's not a one-man show. Um, so I'm not trying to make it like it's a one-man show. Uh, I have very strong convictions about what I think it takes to win, what I think it takes to build a roster, what I think that vision looks like, how we play as a team, what areas that we really have to be good at, and situational football, and then how to be good at those areas. Um, but it's a collective effort. It's a collective effort. So I hope what came out there is that this is going to be about the team, the team of coaches, the team of players that we build, working as an organization, that excellence is the standard, that consistency of excellence is what we've got to have. That's ultimately what we're all looking for. We want to be at the top. This is what I heard from it. We want to be at the top. Not just every now and then, year in and year out. So that's what we're striving for. 
again, the second part is, you know, part of what you mentioned is collaboration with the players. Player safety is important. Players here have mentioned what a uh, natural surface, and we have oh, uh, let's go, Chris. Had conversation about that, and what are your thoughts on that? Could you just repeat the last part of that again? I'm sorry, one more time. Yeah, have you had conversations with the organization about the planned surface, and what is your overall opinion on what the surface is best for players? The, the last, I'm, I'm sorry, the last, there's a word. Oh, he can't hear. What? Surface, so sure. the field. Okay. Um, if I'm not under, if I'm not answering the question directly, it's my fault, okay? Ask my daughters, they'll tell me sometimes my, my hearing gets a little bit messed up, okay? So my fault. Okay, just make that clear. Um, but the way I, the way I approach the collaboration piece with the players, with the coaches, is listen. This isn't a. We're going to collaborate, but it's not a democracy. It, it can't be. It doesn't work. That well means like that. what Tepper okay? says goes. The players are going to feel that I will love and respect them, and the coaches will love and respect them. And they've all had a lot of great coaches and players that I'm sure have uh, coaches that have done that. But they're going to feel my love and respect for them and they're going to be and they're going to feel that we will listen we will listen to what they have to say but there has to be a chain of command the coaches have to be in charge it's about the players but the players can't run the ship. it just doesn't work like that um that works for a very short time if you want to have sustained success it has to be the right kind of leadership from the coach the gm and the owner and the players are going to drive the ship, but they're not running the ship. Hi, Coach. Kelly Bardick here, WCCB and Bay Hackle Sports. Um, two questions for that you. That was First a tough all, question, welcome, man. Uh, back to Charlotte. Chris, what, Jane. Will, what do you want the identity of the first Coach Carolina Panthers to be? And then also there are some players here, since we're just talking about players, have you had the chance to sit down with any of them? And if so, maybe share some of those conversations, what they were like? Um, no, at first with the players, just have started to reach out via text to make sure they all had my number so that when I call and try to connect, um, obviously it's been two days. So like I said, that'll be the highlight to get with these guys one-on-one -on -one to get with them together. And the first part of that question, Sorry, my mic was going. What do you want the identity, identity. of this team to be? So, five Same, traits are great. John. What, what it takes Same. to be a great player. Five traits are great. Number one is toughness, mental and physical toughness. Number two is accelerated vision, right? What does that mean? That means that you uh, that you see the game you see the game so fast, and your brain and processes information so quickly. The game is slow to you, like it's slow to you. Like this is easy. I know what they're doing. I know what that split means. I know what I know what that stance means. I know what that backfield alignment means. I know what that release means. So when you play with accelerated vision, you play faster than your time speed, and you're really good at situational football. You know, number three is footwork. Football is played from the ground up, so we want our team to be marked with good footwork. It's all about fundamentals and technique. When it's good on good, and that's what it is every week in the NFL, it's good on good. Our players are good, and they're good. So who's going to win? The guy with the best fundamentals. The guys with the best fundamentals. So we're going to be good fundamentally. That's going to be a mark of the team. Number three is going to, um, number four is going to be playmaker. You got to be able to make plays in the clutch on third down in the red zone in two minute when a game is really on the line. That's not just the quarterback. It's not just the receivers. It's the left guard cutting off a nose tackle on outside zone to the right. That's a playmaker. 
That's a playmaker. So that's all across the board. And then lastly is the X factor. You got to have the X factor, right? We want players who have that X factor. What does that mean? They're great leaders. They're great teammates. They love football. They love to practice. They love to meet. They love to grind. Those are the kind of players we want in the building. Guys, we're up against time, so the last one to Jeremy. Frank, you were known for the comebacks as a player. When your first season in Indianapolis, you guys started slowly, came back to make the playoffs. What do you remember about your messaging that season, and how does that apply to what you're taking over right now? It's all about focusing, you know, one day at a time. You know, it's the, a lot of teams use this. I know even our team here, this was big this last year. Because it's true. It's got to be a 1-0 and mentality. That was – it's about 1% better, get 1% better every day and be 1-0, be 1-0 today, win the day. Uh, I, I like to talk about, hey, guys, during the week, we're going to – the way we practice, the way we meet, the way we prepare, we're going to put all that in a suitcase. That suitcase is only so big, right? It has a weight limit when you can take on the plane, or it's a 50-pound limit when you pack it up and put it on the, on the plane. So you can only fit so much in there. But what happens is then when we get there on Sunday, we're going to pour that out on the field. Our collective score, preparation – all those things, how we did it. We're going to bring our suitcase, and the opposing team is going to bring their suitcase. And on Sunday, those things are getting dumped out on the field. And whoever has the, the best suitcase is going to win. And then guess what? In the NFL, that suitcase is completely unpacked, and then you pack it up the next week. And that's the cycle of the NFL. Thank you so much, Coach, and thank you for coming today. We really appreciate it. We'll uh, do some photo ops here uh, now that we're completed. Uh, so if you guys would like to come forward, you certainly may. Thank you very much. All right, then. You have just heard Frank Reich. Man, oh man, his press conference as the Carolina Panthers head coach. Wow, 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 man. Um, a lot to unpack there, you know. Um, he talked a lot about how he wants to build this team and, and being accountable. First, there were some great questions. I mean, some absolutely fantastic questions. And, dude, you have to give a round of applause to Chris Jenkins for asking that questions about the turf. Dude, that was so awkward because you're – Imagine you're Frank Reich and you're in that scenario where your players are voicing concerns about something. And this has gone on before Frank Reich. Your players are concerned about something, but you know the ownership has the final say. That that definitely put him in a tough spot. Um, but one of the things, my favorite part of the press conference was when he was talking about uh, the RPOs and the play action passes and how the NFL is a lot of that. And you're able to. Um, you know, you're able to build your run game off of that. Those types of things open up the run game. And man, listen, I know y'all know I'm a mouth fan, but RPO is what what he did in college. That's what he did at Ole Miss, where he had better numbers than uh, a guy like Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. Uh, however, that doesn't take them out of the running for being drafted by the Panthers either. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways that they can go. But I love what you said about the quarterback position that, yeah, you know, you want somebody that can run. And he did mention that, too. You know, when you have a guy that can win with his legs, 
it just opens up your offense in a brand new way. And it opens up possibilities that you just didn't have available to you. And he also made the point in saying that as you look um, towards the draft, most of these players that have the draft, the quarterbacks rather, they do have that mobility factor that previous quarterbacks coming through the draft didn't have. So, you know, um, oh, is that spam? Yeah, my bad for even putting up spam. Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and put it here. Your ass in time out later, Carlos. Um, but yeah, man, I'm uh, you know, I was really impressed. I, I really thought this was a good press conference. Um, you know, I, I really I don't think that Frank Reich could have said anything more than he did. A lot of people were like, eh, he kind of tired out at the end. Um, and I don't know, maybe he did, but, you know, uh, that this is a big pressure moment. You have an entire fan base looking at you and what you're going to say and the things that, that you're going to do. Now, I'll be honest with you, um, but let me go ahead and share this back up so y'all can kind of see what's going on. Did picked up. But yeah, I mean that was a tough position for Frank Wright to be in, and I, I felt like uh, like he 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 handled it well. He did handle it well, and I you know I thought that he did as good as you could possibly do in that situation. Now Jordan, he did say draft, but he also said bring in as well. So I, I think he was like covering his bases there. And again, it wouldn't surprise anyone if the Carolina Panthers drafted a quarterback. Like that goes without saying, you know. I'm a Matt Corral fan, and even I know that he's pro it's probably going to have to be an injury in front of Matt Corral that gets him to seeing the, the football field consistently. Um, and I don't wish injuries on anyone, you know, but especially since Matt is coming off of that Liz Frank injury, you know, I, I, I don't fault or blame the organization. They don't want to put everything all in his in his hands at once. However, if you listen to what Frank Reich said, Corral literally fits the bill that that he's looking for. The RPOs, the play action pass, mobility. Matt Corral can do all of those things. So I would love that. I would be happy with that. Um yeah and I, I also the free agent route seems less and less likely to me. Because even if David Tepper wants to take Wang on Jackson, I just think it would be so much to ask for your head coach to come in and then you get rid of all of his first round draft picks for the next couple of years. Like that just I don't know. That doesn't seem that doesn't seem like it. You know, that doesn't seem like the right me. So Yeah, I don't know, man. What did y'all think? Y'all want me to open this up? Hey, y'all let me know if y'all wanna if y'all wanna come in here. I don't know how much longer I'll, I'll do this, but if y'all wanna come and give some opinions, I'll, I'll definitely let you. But um I hit another thing he mentioned was the defense. And it's pretty much known that it's a you know, this is a defensive football team. Been a defensive football team for a long time. So um the fact that he wants to continue to build that, 
yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Doesn't surprise me at all. I see you, Big John. I see you loud and clear. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. If you would like to come in and be a part of this and tell me what you think about Frank Wright, come on in. The link is in the chat. Um, Listen, I, I'm, I'm excited, man. I really do think that Frank Reich uh, is the best guy for the job. I don't think that we could have done better. I know a lot of people wanted Steve Wilkes, and I understand that, man. I really do. I understand it. But it's, you know, it's, it's, I don't even know what to say, man. Like, if you believe that Steve Wilkes didn't get a fair shake, there's nothing that I can say to, you know, make you, uh, to, you know, to, to change your opinion. The only thing that I can say, you need an offensive, I'm a firm believer, you need an offensive minded head coach in today's NFL to continue to be successful and not have the constant turnaround of offensive coordinators uh, leaving as you mount a good offense. It just, it, it's not the right thing to do, I think. And I think ultimately that's what handicapped Steve Wilkes. Um, my man, Eric 37 with the $2, he says, I love that you talked about having top five defense. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, and I, I don't think that's something that's going to go away at all. Let me add some of these people up in here, man. You already know I got my boy, Mike Stocker. Yeah, what's up, dude? Not much, man. I'm on my lunch break. Oh, I should. This man's having lunch. And I know Panther Pickles here. Panther Pickles at work. Pickle, what's up? Hey, guys. I am hiding behind a machine. So <laughs> I, 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 I just want to get on here real quick to say my thoughts here. I, I thought I love the fact that he, 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 he spoke a lot about the RPOs. And I wanted to, when he talked about they also need to be able to throw from the pocket. I love that part. And if y'all caught that at the end when he was talking about well, they need to learn from throw from the pocket, he says, but we can teach that if we need to. And I think he was directed that a lot to a lot of folks in the that are in the draft. Because we really don't know what draft we're going to head in the draft until those in front of us. Um, right. I, I also thought the question was I understand why they ask it, but he there was no way he could have answered that grass to natural field turf question yeah. correctly. He was yeah. either piss off Pepper or piss off the players. That that yeah. is almost unfair to ask that. But you know, somebody was gonna ask it. So but uh, Yeah, do do so did you think it was unfair like if you were Chris, would you not have asked that question? Well, I don't I don't think I would have, but yeah. you know somebody's gonna ask it. But I'm glad Chris asked it and not, and to be honest, and not others. Because Chris yeah, can yeah. ask it and, and be a lot respectful, as some of our other reporters will ask it and almost be unrespectful when they ask it. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, no, I, I hear you. Like it, was, it, it was definitely a tough position to be in. Kev, uh, yeah. go ahead, man. What, what, Kev, what did you think about the press conference? I mean, it was cool. It was nice. Like, I don't put stock in the press conference. Nick Cariani had, like, a work. And now he's gonna be in the Super Bowl. So. Yeah, yeah. And you guys, you guys, speak into the mic a little bit more. You're super, super low. 
Okay. Yeah, but um, again, I posted the link in the chat if if you would like to come in, and um, I mean, I, I'll go as long as y'all want me to go. We're gonna be doing yeah, our, we're we're, do, we're gonna be doing our podcast tonight, but um, yeah, yeah if uh, if y'all want to come in yeah. and uh, and let your voices be heard, right quick. Feel free I'm gonna pop to out. So. I'll see y'all later. All right, later, pickle. Um, let me add my man Locks Man to the stream. Bid Locks, what's up, dude? Yo, what's good? What's good, bro? What'd you think about that press conference from uh, uh, our brand new coach Frank Reich? I thought I thought it was uh, I, th- I thought it was good, but uh, just like who, who was that pickle was just saying about uh. About the Chris Jenkins question, I think yeah, I think that was kind of, you know, it was kind of a little bit off a little bit, but I but I thought everything he said was pretty, it was uh pretty good, pretty much what I expected. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Is, is there any one question that stuck out to you? Yeah. What's up? I was gonna say, you really think they're gonna bring back McAdoo? Oh, okay. So about Ben McAdoo, right? They brought back Chris Tabor and James Campen. And I was thinking about this yesterday, right? There's a lot of coordinator positions that are open in the NFL. Maybe he's able to attract one of the better ones here. I know a lot of people want Brian Johnson, the OC from Philadelphia. But one of the things that he said at the end of that press conference was if you look at the Panthers' offense last year, they were able to get back on track that they were able to do some good things with RPOs, moving the football downfield, and, and what they were able to do with the run game. And you have to think, if Frank Reich thinks that he can build on that type of success that was already had, I'm telling you, man, he could probably do a lot worse than Ben McAdoo. I know a lot of y'all hate his ass. Like, I know that. I kind of think that it's a little bit misguided. Uh, ben McAdoo wants to throw the field. But the Panthers, they weren't necessarily in a position to do that with Baker Mayfield uh, under center. Now, they were able to do it a little bit more with P.J. Walker. Uh, but even when Sam Darnold came in, Sam Darnold hadn't played football in a year. So they didn't want to pass the ball with him a bunch of times. It, they, they wanted to ease him into it. And then down the stretch, that's when Sam Darnold was able to make some plays in the end zone to DJ Moore and, and you know and Terrace Marshall down the field. So even though it's not my first option to retain Ben McAdoo, not nah, Kev, it would not surprise me at all if that's what we ended up doing, just because he has a better resume and he already has a, a relationship with many of the players on the team. I just think that Pepper wouldn't allow him. I think he was a total rebuild because why fire will? Yeah. Yeah, true. And let me ask you all this. Uh, to everyone in the chat and and, uh, and Kevin Locks, who do you all think is going to be calling plays? Because from the sound of that press conference, it really sounded to me like he enjoys play calling and he feels like he's good at it. So I could see it that could be being both. something that Frank Wright does no matter who the coordinator is. Yeah, I think he could... Allowed the offensive coordinator to call plays. Come to a critical play, it's probably like third down, fourth down play. Probably uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe. Go ahead, Box. 
Yeah, I think it's all, it's all going to depend on who, who uh they hire. If they hire like some young guy who never called plays before, like uh Brian Johnson or or somebody like that, uh he'll probably do the play calling. But if they bring in somebody with like experience, he'll probably uh hand it off to uh that uh whoever that is. Yeah, and they did mention Philly sports nut. CJA in the chat says, dude said our offense is going to look like Philly. Next up, let me introduce my man. You know him. You love him. He has his own YouTube channel. If you want to find it, look him up at One Carolina. It's my guy, John. Big John. What's up, dude? My dog. What's going on, man? Uh, dude, I'm doing good, man. I'm reacting to my to my new head coach, you know? Uh, yes, sir. I felt like... Yeah, there was a lot to like in that press conference, a lot of takeaways. John, let me ask you, man, what was the takeaway at Frank Wright press conference? How are you feeling? Um, I got to be honest with you. I'm excited, um, but I'm op- obviously optimistically cautious at the same time. Like, I, right. you know, I'm excited for the fact that, you know, for the first time, you know, having someone with an offensive mindset that, you know, I know we were talking about, like, I heard you guys talking about OCs. You know what I'm saying? So, like, right. I think that he may assume a lot of that. I think you might see a situation where they even groom somebody, you know, to kind of be sort of an Eric Bieniemy to Andy Reid kind of situation because it's just yeah. no way a guy like that comes in and sees what's been going on with this offense over, the you know, all these years and doesn't want to implement, you know, his philosophy over it. So I think that'll be something that, you know, is pretty much shored up. But in terms of just my overall excitement, I think there is a healthy optimism, man. Like, I, I noticed that, you know, there were some key pieces, you know, in the front there. Uh, you know, Jeremy Chen, I saw Dante, I saw Icky, yeah. uh, I even saw Marquise Haynes, you know, which was, you know, really cool to see or yeah. whatever. Um, Chuba, I think I saw him there as well. But like, I, you know, like I said, I have a high level of optimism, but I'm cautious at the same time because, you know, I just, I guess as a fan and really as a content creator, I'm trying to avoid getting burnt. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> sometimes I'll come out and have these, you know, pretty aggressive takes, man. And, you know, I can go back and look at some of my, you know, takes with uh, about Matt Rule and, you know, bro. I mean, you could really pull my card and be like, bro. Really? Oh, John, John, who are you talking to, bro? Hey, I'm wild out here, man. Right. Like, I, dude, I, 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 you know, I put my stamp on on a lot of different players. I was a big fan of Joe Brady, and I thought he got a raw deal. Yeah. And everybody, everybody can't stand Joe Brady. So, Listen, I I'm, I'm, to- I'm a defender of McAdoo too. I think. I, and I, I do want to get your opinion on this, John. And then yeah. I'll go real quick. But uh, what what I was talking about Ben McAdoo. Do you think so? I you know I'm kind of of the mindset that love him or hate him, you could probably do a lot worse than mm-hmm. Ben McAdoo. I know he's not a fan favorite, but mm-hmm. you know if you were not able to get a Brian Johnson, which now that's the biggest name. He's the guy in Philly. He had a lot of good stuff that he did um, with Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. A lot of people kind of here. Yeah, right? So if he doesn't go with the Brian Johnson, if that doesn't work out, is Ben McAdoo completely off the list? Completely? Or is you know it, does he have a shot at it? I think so. And the only reason I think so is because when you've walked the path that McAdoo has as a head coach, I think it's hard, you know, being with someone like Matt Rule, McAdoo was more of a mentor, 
you know, especially with his experience, you know, being an NFL head coach with Frank Reich being a former player quarterback specifically being an offensive guy. And we've seen some of the offense that this guy has orchestrated over the years, Super Bowl winning offenses that he's orchestrated over the years. I think that might be a strange room to be in, you know what I'm saying? For Ben, because of his, you know, his experience in the NFL. I mean, Mac has had some, I mean, he had, you know, success with us, you know, with the Russian attack, you know, uh, later in the season. And then he had success with, you know, uh, Eli Manning. I think Eli Manning posted his best season as a, as a pro uh, under Ben McAdoo as an offensive coordinator, but then obviously it didn't really work out for him as head coach. But like I said, when you think about one thing that stuck out to me more than anything else, when they asked him the quarterback question, you know, as far as securing the room or whatever like that, the yeah. first thing he said was where the league is going. That told me everything I needed to know. And to be honest with you, I don't know that Ben McAdoo – is willing to because he runs up i don't want to call it archaic because that would be kind of mean like you would see some rpo concept uh in what he was doing you would see but a lot of times man we would you know spend a lot of time with just you know a lot of two uh, wide receivers sometimes you know fullback tight end i think they call it like uh, 20 personnel sometimes with two running backs or whatever like that just to sure up the protection uh to run the ball you just don't see a lot of innovation when it comes to him. But at the same time, I will say this, he didn't really have a lot to work with in terms of like Sam Darnold, while he might be a threat, quote unquote, to run, you know, as far as like scrambling to get away, he is not an RPO threat. Like when he pulls that ball back, you feel like, man, you ain't going nowhere. You know what I'm saying? If that end crash, he's, he's done. You know what I'm saying? So like, um, but, but no, I I think that Mac would be out just on the sheer fact that they are going to look to go in a completely new direction. And man, I tell you, you talked about it. Matt Corral being on this, you know, uh, here, like the more options yeah. you have, this is what I love about it. Am I a guy that I'm like you, I'm like why big Jordan shout out to my guy, uh, why big Jordan. The reason why I love the fact that you have a guy like that on the roster and you can even draft somebody like that is because we saw what happened to the Niners this year, you know, injuries happen, you know, yeah. randomly, you want to be able to have some, a plug and play situation to have somebody else goes in who understands the concept of the system. So yeah, Matt might not start, but he might get an opportunity, but I do believe we're going to go draft a uh, big time. I got a question. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Seeing what, seeing what happened with San Francisco, you think more teams keep three quarterbacks? Seeing what happened with who? Your volume is crazy low, Kev. Uh, sorry. Seeing what happened with uh, San Francisco, you think more uh, teams are on tier three quarterbacks? That will carry three quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, I'm After really, dude. They almost had Christian McCaffrey playing yeah. quarterback in the that? NFC Championship game. Yeah. Dude, that was wild, man. Um, I mean, no, it's a possibility, but I'll say this. Matt Corral is not going nowhere. Uh, but I, I do think that whether it be the first or second round, they're, they're probably going to go after one of one of the up-and-coming guys, either a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson. You know, And by the way, when you listen to that press conference, he really mentioned how much a mobile quarterback opens up your offense. Mm-hmm. You know about that a lot. He even re- referenced Philadelphia. Um you know, that's where he won the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz. So it really does make you think that the Carolina Panthers being able to take the top off the defense, not only with the quarterback's legs, but deep down the field, that seems to be paramount. That seems mm-hmm. to be the, the, the biggest on the Carolina Panthers' list of to-dos. It's modernize the Panthers' offense 
and bring it into the 21st century, for lack of a better word. You know, you, you have to you have to look at what other NFL teams are doing that are successful and compare yourself against them. And yeah. all of the playoff teams this year, maybe save the San Francisco 49ers, they had the big playability. They could all get the ball downfield and get 70 yards in one play. So I really do think that that's going to be a big thing for the Carolina Panthers uh, uh, forward. John, I wanted to get your opinion on this. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, Kev got to go. Kev, I appreciate you, bro. Yeah, man, I'll check you off tonight. Kev, take it easy, buddy. Heck yeah. Later yeah, back. man. We'll be we'll be doing it, we'll be doing it tonight at nine, like we always do, man. So come through. Um did did you hear about the turf? I did. I okay. I mean I go That's ahead. That's my dude. I, I love Chris Jenkins. He's mm-hmm. uh you know, we've been on the he's been on the podcast a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I've dubbed him the man of the people. Shout out to Chris. Chris is awesome. Mm-hmm. But it did leave Frank Reich in a in a weird place, right? Because mm-hmm. you're basically stuck between the players and the owner. Yeah. You know, the owner obviously doesn't want to change the turf on the field or else he would have mm-hmm. done so already. However, you have a large portion of your players that you're trying to ingratiate yourself to. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you have to tell them, hey, Tepper has the final decision on all things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, even over the players themselves. Do you think that was a fair question for Chris to ask? I do. And and I'll tell you why. Not because sometimes you look for a tone setter even when it's not something specific to the topic. So like you know, if I know coming in like all right, Frank Reich has a you know, unique ability. I think he's a if I'm not mistaken, he's a pastor. You know, he went to a seminary school. And so yeah. He's able to deal with a lot of different adverse, you know, situations just from being, you know, walking that path. But the reason why I think it's appropriate is because it's a tone setter for how he's going to handle these press conferences when things are getting rough. Because pl- trust and believe, when you come into a team like this, you're going to get some hardball questions. And that's one of the things that used to frustrate fans so much is like, you know, I was I- I'm getting I'm, I'm going to do a video reaction to um, the busting with the boys interview with Matt Rule. And mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and leak one part of the interview because, man, yeah. one of my favorite songs is Stay Scheming with Ross Drake and um, and French Montana. Um, uh, Drake had a line. He said, um, shorty want to tell me secrets by her rap N word. I tell that chick is more attractive when you hold it down. And it's like, bro, you don't have to say everything. You know what I'm saying? So I think he answered it perfectly. And it was a tone setting question from Chris to him uh, and something that the players could look at and see like, all right, how you gonna handle this man? You know what I'm saying? And like, honestly, I thought he handled it brilliantly. I thought he handled it, you know, with class and he told the truth you know, about what, what his expectations are, what he can do and what he can't do. You know what I'm saying? As far as, but he didn't go too deep because he obviously knows who writes his paycheck. But like I said, yeah. I think more than anything, it was a tone setter for how things could go this season and how he could keep steady this ship and not let things fall apart by things that he says in the media that could potentially break up a locker room. Yeah. It, it put him in a tough spot, but I agree with you. I think the question needed to be asked. And this, let me tell you, man, this turf issue, it's not going away. It's not going to go away, especially when you had people filing complaints, you know, that ours is one of the worst fields to play on. The Mm -hmm. Detroit Lions, they wouldn't stop talking about it, man. You know, it it was like a big deal after that game, you know. So this is 
that's not the last time he's going to get that question. No, you know, not, it, not, not, not at all. Uh, and it's going to continue to be um, you know, a, a big deal. I even saw uh, Jeremy Chin when he was asking that question. Mm-hmm. Or when the question was being, yeah, yeah, he kind of looked over to Dante, <laughs> and man, I, I wish so bad that I could know when said to said to each other at that moment in time, right. man. <laughs> yeah, like mm, you buying this? Eh, I don't yeah. know, bro. Yeah. Um, but hey, real quick, let me do something that I think is a little bit necessary. This is that subscriber shame, people. 219 people watching, 71 thumbs up. Hit that like, hit that subscribe, hit that notification bell for every single time the C3 Panthers podcast goes live. You know we're going to be here tonight at 9 for your normal, uh, you know, your your tried and true edition of the C3 Panthers podcast. And we're going to be talking about this for a while, man. This is uh, yeah. this is big news. This is big news. Uh, Locks, I saw you unmute your microphone. Uh, what you got to say, bro? Yeah, uh, I got I got two questions before I get up out of here. Cause my uh, I've been on my phone all day and I ain't even the charge. But uh, <laughs> you good? You good? Yeah. The the first one is, do y'all think Temple's gonna ch- uh change change the uh turf to grass or or is he just aggravated by it? He want everybody to shut the hell up, up uh, about the turf. And my second one is uh, and what's my second um. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But how about this? You think I'll answer your first one? The money talks, bro. The money talks. If Bank of America Stadium is going to be holding these big concerts all summer and through the fall, you know, I mean, that's part of the reason for the turf is that it's easily replaceable. You can roll it out. You can put it back down. And and it's easy like that. Now, I don't know why I was saying that. It's worse than even some of the other turf fields in the NFL. I don't know. I, I don't understand any of that at all whatsoever. But um, something definitely needs to be done, and it's really going to bite David Tepper in the ass if, let's say, we're a good team next year, and Lord forbid one of our best players ends up going down on mm. a weird play on this janky-ass turf. Yeah. Like That's a bad look, and to your organization so uh john i don't know if you want to answer that but yeah to me the the money the money talks man you know i i have questions about it too because what i wonder is what and maybe y'all can answer this question for me like what role does this what like what significance does the turf play like does it have more to do with the charlotte fc um as to the reason why he done that or is it just a easier transition between you know uh, events like you know concerts and you know all the other things that they host uh, at the bank like is that part of the reason you know for his logic behind it I kind of think so that's to believe that for the soccer team for the overall maintenance of the field and the stadium and again the ability to roll the turf out to just have the normal concrete when you're setting up a big concert stage you know mm-hmm. for the you know all the other big time events that, that are going to come through Charlotte. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something definitely needs to be done. Cause I don't think that you can have the players and the owner be at such an impasse. Yeah. Over this. Yeah. Over this one, this one yeah. issue that's really important to, to everyone. 
because money is at the center of the whole conversation. If you're a player and you get hurt on this terrible turf, that messes up your money. And, yeah. and, and you might be able to resign somewhere else. Same thing for Tepper, man. He wants to continue to use Bank of America Stadium as an outdoor concert venue. So for that reason alone, I just don't... Even if they change the kind of turf, bro, that turf... Hey, Cody, man, does that does that not frustrate you? Like, just think about what you just said. You know, when, when you got, what is it, the Spectrum Center in town, you got the, um, yeah. what used to be the Bojangles Arena. It might be called something different now. I, have, I haven't been to any music, you know, events in, in quite some time. But when you think about what you just said about the, and Tony, I saw Tony in the chat said the events, right? Yeah. Like, this is what's so frustrating about someone like Tepper, who I'll be honest with you, in a lot of ways, I champion Tepper for some of the things that he's done because you can't fault him for trying. You know, when you look at like how long it took Paul Brown to give those guys in Cincinnati an outdoor dome to practice in, you know what I'm saying? Like when they were a consistent playoff team under Marvin Harrison and then Joe Burrow comes to town and it's like, well, I got to start doing something to take care of this and, you know, yeah. uh, this great investment. Otherwise, this guy might walk out the door. But like, you know, yeah. at some point when it's time to be paid. But the point is, is this is like, it frustrates me because it's like, yo, keep the main thing the main thing, man. Like, is yeah. it is there anything about you that thinks like that it's possible because of so many different revenue streams that are attempted to be uh, created, you know, from this space, from this new team I just bought and all this kind of stuff that you kind of lose sight on the main thing, which is winning games, because that's going to create the revenue. You know what I'm saying? Like for the Carolina Panthers anyway. It's like, would you, Matt, would you rather make an extra 20 million? in concerts or bring in an extra 30 million filling out your stadium with Panther fans and bringing home a Super Bowl. Yeah. You might get that 20 million sooner because you know, the red hot chili peppers are coming to play, but the investment mm -hmm. in the team, you know, I assume he bought this team to win Super Bowls. Yeah. Why else would you buy a football team? Especially considering where you came from the rich history of, right. you know, Pittsburgh, that's what they do. You know what I'm saying? So, right. And they take care of their players. They know the Steelers, the the from the front office to the coaching staff, they look after their players and they don't do it with their words. They do it with their actions. And uh, eventually the Panthers are going to have to be about uh, about Bro, some you, more action. Listen, you, you preaching, Crow. What, what's that verse? You're, you, you praise me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Right, <laughs> man. That's that's, you know, yeah. you, you know, don't don't believe who a person says they are. Right. Show you that they are. Exactly. And that's gonna that's gonna continue to be true with with uh David Tepper. Uh Locks, I know you gotta go, man. And second part of your, the second part of your question. Oh uh so I seen your boy Monty, the one I the one I always I, I always get into it with. He uh he tweeted Shout out Monty from the four man rush. Shout out Monty. <laughs> yeah, he he had a tweet that said the Panthers were going to go all in and were willing to tra trade all their draft picks. Bro, they he was trolling. Dude, he, oh. dude, lies. Let me tell you, he was <laughs> trolling. We're, we're in a Panther creator chat, and apparently a bunch of uh, Colts fans were retweeting him because they're mm -hmm. like, oh, what are we doing, Colts? And he was in the chat like, man, they believe me. I was like, dude, of course they believe you. Why would they not believe you, man? You're out there pretending you got some insider information or something. But listen, look, who knows 
who knows what's true with the Panthers? It, it could very well be true that they love some C.J. Stroud and they do want him. Uh, but there's also been reports that David Tepper was head over heels for Will Levis. So, man, you really just you can't put any stock, I feel, into any of the stuff that you might hear what the team wants to do, mm-hmm. especially in February. Or hell, we're still January, man. Like it's 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 too early for any of that to be confirmed true because they don't know what's going to happen. You know, the combine has to happen, pro days have to happen. A lot of things can happen between now and then. So, uh, yeah. But now, nah, Monty was trolling people straight up. He was trying to put that energy out into the universe and hope that it comes true. That's mm-hmm. that. That's what Monty was doing. <laughs> I like okay. it. Okay, yeah, cause I, um, I seen. I was like, what? I was like, they're willing to trade all their picks, to trade up and get CJ Stroud. I feel yeah, like, gonna, I, I feel like if you're gonna make a big deal like that, it, it has to be like a Trevor Lawrence or like a Andrew Luck type of player. I like CJ Stroud, but I ain't that high on But uh, but yeah. I, I'm out. Though. I'm out though. C three. Locks, I appreciate you, dog. One Carolina John, I'm out. I like hey, y'all, Locks, my dog. I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, Locks. Right. You're the man, right. dog. And uh, how yeah, much time I mean, you got left, bro? I mean, I, I'll basically go as long as the chat room wants me to go, man. I'm all right, cool. I'm, I, I'm, I'm over here chilling. I got about a good 25 minutes left before I got to go pick up my my kids, but uh, I, I want to touch. So on I this tell you what, whenever you, whenever, whenever you have to go, that's probably when I'll jump off here. Bet, bet. All right, so. Let me ask you a question, man. What's what's your take? Because yep. I, I got some bizarre, strong, weird takes. Like they go all over the place when Tell it comes it. to what we're gonna do at quarterback. But I want to get some of your opinion. Like what yeah. what do you what do you think? Like just in you know the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about quarterbacks this year, who do you want? And if it's if it's Matt Corral, say it's Matt Corral. I'm cool with that. I mean, I do want to see Matt Corral. I'm not gonna lie and tell you that that I don't. Um, I, I if if I'm judging based on the talent. I'm an upside guy. I mm-hmm. really am. You know, I, I look at players, you know, okay, so for example, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Mm-hmm. The offense that they were in simply wasn't as as an Alabama or an Ohio State was going to be. Mm-hmm. They have better offensive linemen. They have better receivers. You know, they probably have some better play callers. You know, that pieces available to them. Yeah, you were still able to see them do some very high-level things, things that have them being talked about with the ninth overall pick. Um, the, the problem is with me, there isn't a perfect prospect in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. So Bryce Young, everyone's going to you know, gonna be hesitant about him being 5'10", 185 pounds, soaking wet. You know? How will mm-hmm. his frame stand up to the NFL? Um, I like C.J. Stroud. But to me, he's not physically on the love, say, uh, a Trevor Lawrence, a Justin Fields, a Trey Lance. His physical capabilities are they're not as high as those guys, but mm-hmm. I don't want to take it away from him. The dude has a live arm. He's able to push the ball accurately all over the field. He throws with nice touch. Um, I do like CJ, but mm-hmm. trading up for him, which is probably what you're going to have to do. I don't know about you, John. I don't see Stroud falling all the way to pick number nine no, for the no. Panthers. So, no. you know, so realistically, unless you're head over heels in love with either Bryce Young or Stroud, 
the quarterbacks that are in your wheelhouse are going to be Will Levis and mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of question marks about both of them. They have the prototypical build, the size. They can run away from you, run over you, jump mm-hmm. over you. Like these dudes are some really superior physical prospects. But, but you know, Will Levis failed to throw for over 200 yards six times this year mm-hmm. playing in the SEC. Now, granted, he had a really bad offensive line. So mm-hmm. how much of that you can hold against him? I don't know. We'll have to continue to go over the film. Um, Anthony Richardson, I understand why a lot of people compare him to Cam Newton. He can do absolutely everything that you will ever want a yeah. quarterback to do. But sometimes his footwork gets away from him and it causes these wild inaccuracies from him at mm-hmm. from him at t- at times. Also, the fact that Anthony Richardson is only a one-year starter, that that's probably going to be concerning to a lot of teams. He hasn't played a lot of football. So, uh, John, that was a very long-winded way of me telling no, that's okay. you that right. right now I, I'm just I'm not I'm not sold absolutely on one versus the other. I'll mm-hmm. tell you this. If I had to pick between Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, I'm drafting Anthony Richardson. I would agree with that. Uh, I, I would agree with that 100%. Um, so <clears throat> my takes are very similar to yours. Um, I see things. Let me say this to start. I'm, I'm more confident now than I ever have been of us drafting one. And the reason is because Frank Wright knows what it looks like. And when I look at guys like, like take Andy Reed, for instance, you know, uh, me and my nephew were talking about this yesterday. If he's watching, shout out to you, Cameron. But like, you know, I'm not saying that Donovan McNabb was a bad quarterback, but like Andy Reed went to five straight NFC championships with him, finally broke through and went to a Super Bowl, did not win that Super Bowl. You know, he was competitive in the AFC with Alex Smith before they got Mahomes. And then when he got Mahomes, now it's just like, you know, it looks like they could probably win the bowl every year, you know, uh, dang near. And, you know, my honestly, I believe that they'll probably pull it out this year. The thing is, is like when a guy is able to coach up a guy that doesn't have the immense amount of talent, what can he do with a guy that is an absolute gamer? You know, and that would be to take him to a complete another level. And so I'm, I trust Frank Wright is going to be able to see what he wants and convince like, let's just say, for instance, let's say it is AR, right? Let's let's say they look at, you know, Anthony. One of the things that Anthony does that is better than even CJ Stroud is his response to pressure, you know, because he has that ability to take off running. You know, one of the knocks on CJ Stroud, and I don't really see this as a knock because you do whatever you, you know, what is important or excuse me, um, what is um, comfortable to you, if you will, right? So, like, if you take off running, you know, if I if I take off running because, you know, I'm sensing the pressure, even if it's after my first read, so be it. You got to beat me with it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, look, when you look at look at that NFC championship game, there was a play that they showed where Fred Warner was literally. And I'm going to tell you this. This shows you the kind of respect that people have for Jalen Hurts. Fred Warner was a statue. I've never seen Luke Keekley do that. Luke Keekley is brilliant. Yeah. Fred Warner is a, a very smart linebacker. But there was a play when he was like kind of reading the end and he was reading Fred Warner holding the ball and he finally gave it off to um not 14. What's the other guy? Miles Sanders. Uh, finally gave it off to him and they chunk he chunked them for like 10 yards. But Fred Warner didn't move. And the reason is because look, I gotta account for this guy. If this guy takes yeah. off, 
it's over. And so the thing is, is that with having such a strong R RPO presence, it just, especially when all things are working together, like if it's all working together perfectly, it's almost impossible to stop, bro. Especially when you have a guy cerebrally as smart as a Jalen Hurts that can operate that system, which not for nothing, uh, we kind of have a guy on the roster. If he was a little bit bigger and could stay healthy, that kind of does that. Same. I'm, I'm telling you, know you man. So I'm just I'm keeping it a buck. You. I'm not saying yeah. that he's the guy, but I'm just I'm just keeping it a buck. But what I will say also is this: is I think that if you were to hand, let's just say for instance, like you know, if, if they do move up to go get Stroud, you know, or if they or if they did get Levis or whatever, I think if you hand those guys because with quarterbacks, man, we all know, bro. It's as much about where you land as, you know, as anything else. And so yeah. I think it's possible that any of these guys could potentially be successful. I think some more than others. Like I have a different opinion about yeah. Bryce. Personally, I'll tell you, if I'm the Bears, hey, Carolina, give me a call if you want Justin Fields. There's no way I'm passing on that. Man, I would do There's that no in a heartbeat. Yeah, I, I would too. But, I yeah, no, but, too. but, let me, but you, would you be in favor of that? Now, let's say the Bears were legit getting ready to come off of Justin Fields. And I love Justin Fields during the draft process. I had him as my number two ranked player right behind mm -hmm. Trevor Lawrence in the entire draft. I would love that. Do, is, would, would you be willing, Justin Fields, if he was available? It's because so, I would. It's easy to look at. See, this is the this is the hard part about evaluating Justin Fields, in my opinion, is that it's easy to look at what Jalen is doing when given Devontae, when given AJ, when given Dallas Goddard, when given the you know a strong offensive line, and say like, oh, he could do that. Justin could do that. But right. nah, because even before having those weapons like last year. Jalen showed those kind of flashes of his intelligence at the position. Now, I'm not saying that don't, don't indict me. I'm not saying that Justin is not intelligent because he is. Yeah, yeah. But what I will say is that in his young career, he struggles with what a lot of young quarterbacks struggle with. And that's seeing the middle of the field, you know, the, the, seeing the edges, right. especially coming from that big 10 offense. Like it's, it's easy to throw outside. So he's just compensating by using his legs because he is very good at it. Now, when he finally figures it out and picks it up, then if he does, Oh, it's on. Because he's got the arm strength, he's tough, he's smart. I mean, brilliant kid. You can't look at what he did against us, man, in Clemson. You know, uh, at, in that Ohio State game that year, what what was it? Six oh, touchdowns. Man. You know, dude, and I mean, six he was touchdowns. And bro, we had, dude, he he torched us so bad that game. I was yeah. not ready for that, man. Yeah, and not for nothing, Cody. Even though he didn't make it to the pro level, Skowski was no chump. Like Skowski is one of the most smart, is the, one of the smartest linebackers yeah. we've ever had. He's in that Ben Bowler, you know, like hard nose, yeah. like very intelligent. And I mean, he was picking him apart. You know what I'm saying? Even to the point where Skowski, you know, uh, hit him and almost took him out of the game. But like, I mean, he carved us up, you know? And so yeah. I don't think that you can look at that. I I'll tell you this. I think that because Stroud, not for nothing, looking at his tape, he struggles with a lot of the same stuff. He struggles with pressure. Yeah, Fields is different because he can use his leg to get out of it. And I think Stroud answers some of those questions against Georgia, but he still wasn't pressured nearly as much as he will be no. on the next level. And it might be and a it was still a small sample well. size, too. Like He was able to yeah. move around well versus Georgia, but really mobility, it's not something you see a lot of on C.J. Stroud's tape. Right. And that's part of the reason why I don't love him as much as I have quarterbacks in the past mm -hmm. because, you know, if the pressure does break down on him, at least Justin Fields has the ability to get away from you. Yeah. Right? 
Whereas CJ doesn't have that luxury. And I, he's always going to be more dependent upon the protection. Of, and that kind of yeah. scares me a little. I will say this, though, Cody. Uh, you know, if I can just kind of, you know, aside here. Yeah. The thing with Stroud is he, he's such a high-level character guy. Such a coachable yes. kid. You know, his. if you go look at, like, there was... I'm kind of giving away, you know, I, I, like I said, I got, I got videos lined up and, you know, just trying to get, Hey, y'all go subscribe to one Carolina <laughs> y'all. That's one Carolina. Yeah. Hit the yeah. subscribe to my man, John. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I got some stuff lined up, man, but he, he did an interview where he was talking about NIL and this was before the season. Right. And yeah. he was talking about, you know, the life changing, you know, opportunity uh, that it offers you know, uh, with him, you know, and and I think it was him and uh, Bijan Robinson uh, were talking about it in an interview. And right. just listening to the way that he was talking about, you know, having to navigate now having all this excess, you know, they give you, you know, you, you just got handed a $600,000 check. Like, what you going to do with that? You know what I'm saying? And like yeah. listening to how he navigated that before the season and then seeing what happened this season when they were a, field goal kick away from beating Georgia. And you could argue they probably win the national championship because they probably would have smoked TCU as well. Yeah. And it's like to, to, to still, you know, produce at that high level, even after getting an opportunity, the high character that he has, like, it's hard not to look at him and be like, look, man, like he's got some natural raw talent and yeah, he might not be, you know, a, a immediate threat at RPO, but trust me when I tell you, like a guy like Reich would know what to do and how to tap into his potential and bring the best out of him. So I would I'm going to tell you in this draft personally, I think this draft, when you look back at this draft historically, it's going to be better than a lot of people think it is. Like there's a lot of people that's like, man, like, you know, like Will Levis, for instance. Oh, he a bust. He a bust. I, I wouldn't be so quick to say that, man, because like I said, it just depends yeah. on where he falls. If he went to it's Houston. It's way too early to call any of these. 100 percent. I agree. I completely agree. Like I, I ain't doing that because it's just. I don't know. Yeah, I, I ain't doing that. No, I agree with you 100%. And I agree. I would not want to be the quarterback for the Houston Texans. But no. it appears that either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud uh, is probably going to be doing just that. Uh, yeah. Listen, great quarterbacks. Shout out to my guy, C.J.A., in the chat room. Uh, he's the sports nut on Twitter. Um, very relevant to the conversation that we're having now. Scott mm. Federer was asked on drafting a quarterback early. I think you're right on, on a lot of that. Um, I think you got to have conviction. If, if there's a guy in this class that you like, you got to go up and, um, you know, if you like him, go get him. You know, we're in a position now where we have defense, where we have, you know, an offensive line. We've built around this for this opportunity. So if you have conviction, go get him. If it's not, you don't want to force it. You don't want to take a player, pass on a really good player. That might set you back, but you can't be afraid to take a shot if you believe that's the guy. Thank you. All mm. right. So, John, I want to hear what you have to say about that. Let me tell you real quick what I take mm -hmm. that to mean. Um, yeah. It's better. I basically word. He's not saying that the Panthers are going to do this. Mm -hmm. However, if through the process they fall in love with one of these guys and they say, okay, I feel like not only does he have all the traits that we want in a quarterback, but I feel like whatever inadequacies they might have, we have the team and we have the mm -hmm. coaching staff 
already in place to build around that player and to grow him. That's mm-hmm. another thing that Frank Reich said during the press conference is that these guys get better. Mm-hmm. You have to be the, 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 the right coach and the right staff that's going to help these guys grow as football players. Right now, everyone thinks that Jalen Hurts, he's a top five quarterback in the NFL. People did not think that about him last year mm-hmm. around the same time last year. Mm-hmm. You have to invest in these players and invest in their long-term abilities. Mm-hmm. So the Panthers, in my opinion, right there, are saying, hey, that off the, ta- off the table. Right. If, if, if we're in love with Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, they're, they're willing to get them. Mm-hmm. They believe that they will. But at the very end of it there, I also don't want to gloss over, he said that you don't want to reach either. You know, you, you don't want to go and, and, you know, be too aggressive. And, uh, you know, you want to make sure that you know that you're drafting the right guy. And that's going to be a process that's going to play out for a bunch of months here now. But, uh, John, how did you take that? Okay, I want to I want to address something real quick that I see in the chat. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm only saying this because of something. So Scotty to Hottie Smith, shout, that, that is the most awesome uh, handle name, um, especially as a wrestling fan. He says, and, and I want you to highlight that. Where, where is it at? He says, uh, uh, yeah, he Hurts is an outlier. That, that one? No, he's not. And let me tell you why I say that. Hurts is an example of if you would have given, I want you to think about this. When we drafted Cam Newton, right, lockout season, you could really say that Cam Newton revol- revolutionized the NFL and you wouldn't get an argument from me. If somebody came to me and said, yo, oh, yeah. Cam revolutionized the NFL. Well, then the question would be how. How he did it was because during that lockout season, he couldn't touch a playbook. So what did they do? What did Chud do? Chud called Gene Chizik at Auburn and got yeah. his playbook and implemented it in the NFL. What did Cam do? 4,000 yards in his first season. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Absolutely tore it up but also tearing it up with his legs, also showing some RPO option, stuff that wasn't around when Michael Vick was was around. Can you imagine what Michael Vick looks like in Atlanta with the RPO that they wouldn't run, where he was just literally drawing stuff up in the dirt? You know what I'm saying? Like, can you imagine what RG3 would have looked like if Shanahan would have been like, hey, let's go a little more RPO heavy? You know what I'm saying? Like, and even though Kyle Shanahan still made RG3 look great, RG3 with his Olympic speed, and and if they'd have built up that offensive line, tell me how you stop it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So to me, what this is, in my opinion, is a culmination of when you actually trust a guy and say, you know what, to heck with what they say about what can't work in the NFL, we're going to make it work. That's why Nick Sirianni was getting laughed at in that press conference, and he laughing now because it's like, look, I told y'all what we was going to do. We're going to keep it simple. We're going to bring talented people in, and we're going to dare you to stop us. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to yeah. dare you to stop us. But uh, to your to your question, um. As far man, I forgot. I, I kind of went off on that. <laughs> no, 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 you're, dude. I, hey, we love some tangents here on the C3 podcast. No, just like, does that what does that mean to you? The words that, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, Fitter, what Scott said. just said, yeah, yeah. Uh, it means that you know, he's gonna be super aggressive. Um, I think that they're gonna do whatever it takes. I want you to think about something, Cody, yeah, because I. I said something on Twitter this past weekend that got people in an uproar. And even to this day, 10 minutes ago, still getting comments back and forth on this. And I apologize to his brother because I did not want to start something. I really did not. But, Cody, who was not in attendance today? Brian Burns. 
listen. Hey, Chicago. Chicago. You there? Um, would you be willing? And look, I know y'all gonna kill me in the chat. That's cool. But I'm just I'm just throwing out opinions. Just yeah, I'm not saying anything in stone. I'm not saying it even something that I would want to do. But hey, Chicago. So we got um this ninth pick here. Uh we got a maybe even a second. And uh we got this this guy 53 that we gotta pay. Um what do you think? And my question to you is this. If they did it and you believe that Bryce is the next blah, 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 is it too high of a price to pay? I mean, if they feel – see, here's the problem with that, John. Brian Burns, especially after we let go of Hassan Reddick, which that's a whole nother bag. Hassan Reddick is what – the entire discussion. I saw yeah. your tweet. And yeah. I agree with you. I'm like, say it, John. <laughs> say it. It, it, it. It's the truth. But the the reason why that gives me pause is because Brian Burns is our primary pass rusher. We already needed another defensive end. I've been a firm believer that the Panthers still need another defensive tackle yeah. to go next to Derek Brown. My thing is, is now if you get rid of Brian Burns, now you're having to replace two defensive ends and you're going to be giving up draft capital so you'd be giving up brian burns but and the draft capital capital that it would take necessary to be to that number one pick so you're already then limiting your your abilities to uh you know get more help on the reasons that it gives me pause but Again, going back to what Federer said, and shout out to CJA, he brings this up. We've built ourselves up for the opportunity. And mm -hmm. I do agree with what he says. We mm -hmm. do have, I mean, I, I don't know if you agree with this, John. To me, last year, that was one of the better offensive lines in the history of the Carolina Panthers. They were just it's going to so get better. Yeah. You want me to, I, I'm going to tell you why it's going to get better, too, just real quick. And this is one yeah. of the reasons why if like, listen, because I, I hear what you say. And, and I think the same thing when it comes to the fear and the concern, I would say concern, not fear. Um, the way that these rookie quarterback situations work, like if you trade up and go get a guy like it'll set you back. Sure. But it ain't gonna be forever. You know, it's not like when you had to pay Sam Bradford, you know, a, a hundred million dollar contract over, you know, five years, you know. Uh, when they reach when they reset the rookie pay scale, like that kind of changed things. And, it, and so it made things a little bit more honest. But, man, to me, <clears throat> it's like if you bring in – like, for, for instance, I know one of the things with Bryce is his size. Well, mm -hmm. let me tell you why this would be a great place for Bryce. If Bryce went to Houston with D'Amico Ryans, if he takes over as head coach, like you better have a surefire bet at, op at offensive coordinator because right. if you're just going to go, you know, straight play action all day long, like, yeah, Bryce will be good, but what can make him great? Is he an RPO threat? No. But the way that Frank Reich orchestrates his offense, he uses a lot of what they call like scat protection, where he, you know, drops his or pushes his offensive lineman out wide to create like more visible throwing lanes. If you watch what Bryce does well, it's being able yeah. to accurately deliver the ball in places and anticipate pressure. If you've got a guy that can create that with this kind of offensive line, that's why I said earlier in the chat before I even jumped on, I said Frank Reich's principles 
plus James Camp and coaching equals top five offensive line this year, in my opinion, especially yeah. if they keep everybody, everybody comes back healthy. You're talking about a top five line this year, in my opinion. So if you were to go grab a guy like Bryce, like, yeah, would you lose a lot as far as draft capital and everything like that? Sure. But if you are sure that you're sure that you sure uh, that he's the guy, bro, no, no price is too high. No price is too high. The reason is because I can always continue to build this team. You know, think about what Matt Rule said in that busting with the boys. Uh, man, I would have been more aggressive in free agency. We hadn't done that. So, like, that's, that's yeah. still an option. You, you see what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. that's why I think if he's your guy, man, no price is too high, in my opinion. Yeah, and I would I would personally hope that if that's what they intend to do, Brian Burns, just give him three first-round picks. Because I agree with you. That I mean, three years sounds like a lot of not having first-round picks, but it opens up free agency. You know, mm-hmm. you, you're able to do things, you know, especially if free agents feel like, oh, the Panthers have an O-line. They have a dynamic young quarterback. They got the offensive-minded head coach. You know, they, they've got the defense. Man, the Panthers are cooking. Yeah, yes. I'll definitely go to play play in Carolina. Mm-hmm. So that, that part I understand. But I, I just, you know, hearing what he's saying about we've built the opportunity to be able to do this, to me, that means all of the time and effort that they've spent building up the defense and the players that they put on this team. Guys like Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, guys like J.C. Horn. You know, they paid Dante Jackson. You know, there are guys on this team that have made the Panthers one of the most attractive defenses for a coach to coach. So I think that yeah. if you're giving if you're if you do give up Brian Burns, that I hate to say it, the time to do it was last year. When, it was. When, when the Rams were offering up their uh, first round pick. Hey, real quick, let me read this uh, super yeah, chat. Mm-hmm. One book one book club with the four ninety nine. Appreciate you, brother. He says Reich admitted uh, Reich admittedly might have a slight hearing problem. Do you think it will affect real time communication back and forth? No, I don't think so. Okay, um, I ask your question. Did it affect Philip? Okay. And, and no disrespect to your question because it's, it's an honest concern. Did it affect yeah. Philip Rivers helping him go eleven and five? Did it affect him being the offensive coordinator when uh, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl? Did it affect Carson Wentz throwing twenty seven touchdowns to what five or six, seven, eight interceptions or whatever it was that year? Even though he struggled towards the end, like nah, <laughs> like like, yeah. like I said, no disrespect to your question because it's a it's a real concern. But yeah, no, I, I don't I don't think so. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it'd be too much of a problem. Um, and uh, yeah, like you said, they've gotten past it before. Um, so, but going back to Bryce Young, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I will say this, that young man, you know, Brian Burns calls himself Spider-Man. Hold up, hold up. <laughs> Alex Max said, did it affect with Matt Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it might have, it might right. have. And, you know, maybe that played a part, you know, maybe, maybe him and Matt can't hear too well anymore. Right. My uh, bad. Go ahead, bro. No, that 28 to three PTSD, maybe that right. happened. Matt, Matt not hearing so well anymore. But um, no, I will say Bryce Young, Brian Burns calls himself Spider-Man. He does the pose and everything. But to me, Young has that spider sense. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes him such an attractive prospect is that, yeah, he's small. He's 5'10". You know, mm-hmm. there are pictures next to him of and Kyler Murray 
and Kyler is a little bit bigger than him. He's a little bit mm-hmm. thicker than him. And everybody views Kyler Murray as super small. But with that said, he has maybe the one of the best prospects I've ever seen at doing this, evading pressure. Yeah, This dude knows where the pressure is coming from. Yeah. And he knows in real time where his pocket has moved to. A lot mm-hmm. of quarterbacks, whenever their pocket breaks down, oh, shit, time to run. And they're yeah. trying to get extra yards. Bryce Young is really good at protecting himself, yes. at moving up into open spaces in the pocket and putting, you said, in the perfect position. Mm-hmm. He's a fantastic improviser. Um, he's faster running than you think he is. Yeah. Uh, and you know he can he can run away from you. So he does have the ability to do that. Um, it will just be interesting to see what the Panthers think about him being, you know, 5'10 or 11, 185 pounds. And by the way, he also said that he's hiring a trainer. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get up to 210 pounds. And, and maybe that helps him. Yeah. Uh, and maybe he is able to do that. Uh, but I, I just I want to know what they're going to think about his frame. Um, but with that said, dude, Bryce, he has every trait that you want from the quarterback position. He can put the ball right where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. He sees the open face mm-hmm. or the, the open spaces on the field. He knows how to anticipate where his receivers are going to be in real time. A great touch ball as well. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It's I, I, I'll tell you what, the more I hear from Frank Reich and now Scott Fitterer, I think it's far more likely, not saying it's going to happen, but it's far more likely that the Panthers are probably going to look to trade up to mm-hmm. number one or number three, whatever it takes to get the guy that 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 they're looking at. I tell you, I you know, I just think <clears throat> and this is this is no slight on Justin Fields, man. Like it, it is really not, because I think that Justin going to the right situation can flourish. You know, it may take a little bit longer development time than some others because he does have some issues with, like I said, with uh, he struggles with anticipation. It's not so much accuracy because if a guy is, you know, a, a yard or so off of his target out of a break, like Justin's going to hit him and he's probably going to hit him in stride. But in the NFL, with the throwing windows being so slight and then also with DBs playing such tight man, especially in man coverage, like he struggles a lot in man coverage. And that's yeah. where anticipation comes in because you have to anticipate where that guy, when that guy comes out of that cut, comes out of that break, you got to anticipate his body body movements, where he's going to turn, what his tendencies are. And those are things that just develop over time in terms of, you know, uh, continuity with his receivers, which not for nothing, he doesn't really have a great, you know, team of guys to work with. And that's no slight on those guys, but it's just right. the truth. Um, so, you know, you got to take that into consideration as well. But man, I'm telling you, bro, like as a as a town, you know, Carolina, we, we've had the luxury of having, a, you know, an all world talent at quarterback drafted first overall. You know what I'm saying? Like there was those same questions about Cam. You know, Cam would dominate games with his legs. You know, he did it to South Carolina, did it to Alabama. And like we knew that he could, you know, he could throw well. But like there was still because the difference between when Cam came in, that there was no RPO. You know, there was no coach that was open to, you know, running those kind of systems. It was still a very archaic, you know, uh, running back heavy led 
NFL, you know, even though Tom was, you know, dominating and Peyton as well with the passing, but over, you know, by and large, uh, it was still that kind of a lead. The thing is, though, man, is like when you look at Chicago, like being a team, I don't, I don't know if there's anything, any package that anybody could really offer that they would accept because you're talking about a team that has not had a what you would consider up until this point anyway. And I think that, you know, the jury's still out on Justin. Man, we're talking about Jim McMahon. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they haven't had a quarterback in forever. They they've really never had one because Jim McMahon was good, no doubt, but he wasn't like the force. He wasn't the reason behind the Super Bowl. You know that no, that Walter bears Hayden, defense, the defense fridge. You know, running in that play at the end of the game. You know what I'm saying? Like those are the reasons why they won that bowl. He was there. I'm not saying they, they won in spite of him because he did help. Because I think that's a narrative that sometimes gets pushed. Like, oh, I can win the Super Bowl with anybody. I used to believe in that. Like I really did. But then when you go back yeah. and look at guys like what Flacco did on his run in that, you know, Ravens Super Bowl, or you go look at what Doug Williams was able to do in the game that he played, you know, in you Washington. Far between. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, it, Brad Johnson. I mean. Uh, what was that? What was his name? Sean King. I think he was, you know, the didn't, starter. Uh, and, didn't Trent Dilfer also win? win yeah, uh, Dilfer won with uh, with the Ravens. Yeah, yeah. But Dilfer yeah. played solid, man. In that Super Bowl, leading up to that Super Bowl, I think he hit Shannon Sharp on like, I, I could be wrong. I would have to look up this stat, but like, it's one of the longest playoff like passes, not not passes, but like pass and catch in history, right? Uh, Shannon going down the sideline like eighty some odd yards. But it was still, I mean, it was delivered by Trent Dilfer. So, I mean, yeah. you know, that has to be, you know, you know, it has to be appreciated. But like I was saying, man, like, I just personally believe, like, just, just me, my opinion. If I'm Chicago, like, just put us in that same position. Would you trade that pick? Because I'm going to say absolutely not. I'm drafting that guy. I'm sorry. I'm ah. drafting that kid. I'm sorry. I, if it okay, if it was Corral and Corral was having the same kind of Corral had the injury, Corral rushed for a ton of yards. Look, I'm putting you, I'm putting YB Jordan and all the Corral supporters on the on the on the hot seat. If it was all the because I already know what you're gonna say, so it's cool. I, and I'm cool with that. I already know what you're gonna say. But if it was <laughs> if it was all those guys, I'm um, excuse me, if it was if it was the same scenario, Matt Corral rushed for all these yards, you know, you know, you see amazing things from him, doesn't have really big supporting cast, but you got what could potentially be an all-world talent sitting right there. Are you trading that pick? I mean, it 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 comes down to what you believe about the player. So there's a legitimate thing that can be said about Justin. I know you you know, you said Matt Corral, but like mm -hmm. with, with Justin Fields. Listen, and we know this with Cam. People knocked Cam Newton for his completion percentage all the time and completely disregard that he was throwing the ball to two of the slowest receivers in <laughs> Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches. Like, these guys are not creating space on their own. So the fact, in my opinion, the fact that uh, his completion percentage was what it was is almost kind of a miracle. You know, you had Ted Ginn dropping passes from time to time, mm -hmm. and it was, it was just rough. So I don't ever hold those numbers against Cam Newton like a lot of other people's do. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think the same thing is true for Justin Fields. And if you have a guy, you're never going to know what you have until you build around them. And even though Jalen Hurts saw a progression from year one to year two, I still go back to the thing where – Nobody, I mean, unless you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan or a Jalen Hurts fan in general, 
the general consensus about Jalen Hurts at this time last year wasn't that he was some all-world quarterback that is going to take you into a deep playoff push. Like he was good. You know, people compared mm-hmm. him more. People compared him more to Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Now I think most people are taking Jalen Hurts over over uh, uh, Dak Prescott, and you can't also then overlook the fact the amount of talent that they loaded up on that Philadelphia football Absolutely, team. Yes. They Smith. They got AJ Brown. Mm-hmm. They have Dallas Gardner and tight end. They have a running game. They have all, all that makes a quarterback's life a lot easier. And I'm just inclined to believe that if Justin Fields had that kind of an offense around him, he would be looking way better than he currently does. My mm-hmm. final point to that is I'm going to be real. I don't think drop Bryce Young for as good as he is or C.J. Stroud for as good as he is on that Chicago team that still doesn't have a good offensive line, that mm-hmm. still doesn't have good receiving talent. Mm-hmm. I don't know that your results are going to look a lot different than what they were with Justin Fields anyway. Yeah. I, so I, I don't, it all I don't comes down to evaluation. I yeah. don't disagree with that. I just, you know, the thing is, though, is that what you just said right there is not much different than the Trevor Lawrence conversation. I mean, because you put, you know, right. you plug Trevor Lawrence is or the borough for that matter. You know, people one of the things that, you know, revisionist history will tell you like, oh, man, Burrow's got the you know perfect situation, bro. They won two games before he got drafted. You know what I'm saying? Like there was no one of the reasons that I always used to kind of give Matt rule kudos, if you will. Like, and, and I, please don't kill me for this, but I'm just saying like one of the reasons that I used to shoot him some bail is because I'm like, man, like what was Cincinnati's real plan before that? You know what I'm saying? Like Joe Burrow came out of nowhere, you know? And, and in that draft, yeah. like what was their real plan? They ended up with the number one pick and he fell into their lap. And it's a Cinderella story because it's similar to LeBron going back home. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. There was there there was no plan really, you know what I'm saying? Other than them just trying to build and sustain, you know, if you will. Yeah. We got Lamar in this, you know, conference. We, you know, Ben was still there. You know, Cleveland still had Baker coming off of a playoff run. So, like, you know, what I'm saying, or actually, excuse me, that was the same year. That was, I think, it was his rookie season, or, was, or maybe the second. But regardless, the point yeah, is, is so. it? Yeah, the point is, is like there was no real plan there. You know what I'm saying? It just kind of it was happenstance, and you can make a strong argument that some of the play calling, you know, for them is the struggle that Joe Burrow's facing right now. But it's hard to fire a coach when you make it to two AFC championships. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, I guess the clarity for us, you know, and this is what I loved about Wilkes, and I've often said this, Steve Wilkes provided us clarity. He provided the clarity of, hey, we know what we have, we know what we don't have, we know what we need, and we see what can be, you know, what we can add to make us even better. And I do want to, because I'm going to have to go here in about another five minutes, but I do want to ask you a quick question, man, just kind of pivot into that for one second. What's your feelings about the Wilk situation, man? So, look, I understand that, and just, you know, speaking honest, because I know you want my honest opinion, there's there's definitely a race component to this and black coaches not being given the chances that white Mm -hmm. coaches typically do. And far be it from me to tell anyone, especially a person of color who believes that, far be it from me to tell them that they're wrong. Right. What I will say is that him being a defensive coach and not winning that Tampa game 
I feel like most of all, those are the two things that did him in. I agree. The fact that the fact that we didn't make it to the playoffs, and the fact that in the Carolina Panthers' entire history, we have never had an offensive-minded head coach. Mm-hmm. And this is an organization that for the past few years has been the way the ways in which it does things, especially on offense, and the results have been floundering ever since. Like it, it has not been good. This constant rotation of offensive coordinators that the Carolina Panthers have gone through. It, mm-hmm. it, it just it doesn't seem like even if you hired Steve Wilkes, it doesn't seem like that trend would change anytime soon. Because even if you did have a good offensive coordinator and you did have a good offense, well, they're out the door the very next year as yeah. soon as they get a little bit of success. And then you're constantly having to do this turnaround. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, look at Kyle Shanahan right now. He's an offensive-minded head coach. And yet they have one of the very best defenses in the NFL mm-hmm. with that with that 49er defense. So I think that it's much easier to get an offensive-minded coach that has the ability to field a prolific offense and mm-hmm. defense rather than the vice versa. Yeah. Um, my final thing is I do feel bad for Steve, man. How do you not feel bad for Steve? I, like, I agree. Yeah. If we're going to show to the world that he has the opportunity to be a legitimate long-term head coach if he's never given the opportunity. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, his his acumen and his pedigree wasn't as high as someone like Frank Reich, but if he never had the opportunity to have that kind of resume, you can't hold it against him, man. Right, that's um, a good point. And, and the fact that he was from Charlotte, mm-hmm. went to West Charlotte, you know, has been with this Panther team when we went to the Super Bowl in 2015. The players loved him. The fans loved him. I, I feel bad for him, man. My heart goes out to him. I wish him nothing but the best and continued success. Um, and I hope it gets that opportunity one day to yeah. to show what he's made of. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think everything you said was excellent, man. Um, you know, <clears throat> I think two things can be true. Um, you know, I heard you say that uh, on the day that, you know, uh, we hired Frank Reich. I was watching, uh, I think, or I think it was before. I can't I can't remember if you guys, if it was on your Tuesday, uh, that same day. I'm not, I can't remember exactly. But I remember you saying the, the exact same phrase, that two things can be true. Um, we can look at Steve Wilkes and look at the job that he done and say that this was something that he probably, you could argue, deserved. But you could also look at the fact that, you know, if I'm a new owner taking over this team, you know, and we've never had an offensive coach, and I see what the league is doing right now. Like, you know, me personally, like I, I love the Frank Wright situation. I was really caping for Ben Johnson, and 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 many people that you know follow my show know because I went to high school with Ben Johnson, and so I was like oh. really excited about you know the potential for him being the coach because it's like man to see a guy that I went to school with. You know, his dad was my high school principal. You know what I'm saying? And so like that's the lion, that's the Lions OC. Right? Yeah, yeah, the Lions OC. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. And so like that would have just it, it would have made me geek. But at the same time, it would have been tough for me because it's mm-hmm. like, you know, if I see something I don't like, it would have been hard for me to be objective because I'm like, man, that's home team, man. I can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's just like, you know, it was hard for me to make that tweet about, you know, Brian Burns and and, and in context, you know, three, four, four, three edge and linebacker, like it's it's an apples and oranges comparison, but it was still applicable in that moment when you seen him wrecking that game. But yeah. The point is, is this is like, I think that Wilkes, you know, like I said, he provided clarity for the Panthers. I think he set a tone for this franchise. 
And I, I think if he goes on in a similar fashion to how people look at Tony Dungy, for instance, you know, Tony Dungy, you know, just or, or even Mark Jackson, you know, in a whole nother sport, for example, you know, Steve Kerr comes in and they implement, you know, uh, defense and they, you know, when uh, when uh, my guy David Lee got hurt and then Draymond takes over and then he sees all the success. But that team was built. The vision for that team was built by Mark Jackson. Similarly to when Tampa, you know, won their Super Bowl with Gruden, a lot of people was like, oh, yeah, that's Dungy's team. Barry Switzer with Jerry, uh, Jimmy Johnson's team. I think if this team goes on, not necessarily to win a Super Bowl next year, but has an immense amount of success, his imprint is still going to be there. You know what I'm saying? So he'll forever be a legend here for that if it's built, you know, if it continues, you know what I'm saying, to be success on top of what he showed you can happen uh, with this team. And not for nothing, if that were to happen, I think that that bodes well for him getting a job as a head coach further down the road. It would have been a storybook situation uh, to see him get it with the Panthers. But, you know, not, you know, if nothing else, I'd love to just see him have an opportunity as a head coach, period. Yeah, I would love to see him get that opportunity. I certainly hope he does. Uh, shout out to Neville Corleone with the 199. This is what y'all think about Cunningham from Louisville. You probably know even, better than me, bro. I don't know you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that ditto. I have Plus, no idea who you're talking Kobe, about. Man, hold up. Look, where my, where my sound machine at, man? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Did this man say Louisville, as in the college Louisville? I believe so, man. This, he, this man, he said, he said Louisville. This man said Louisville like we not Clemson fans. What you talking about, hey, man? Drop let's go. On hey, y'all, dog. What's up? We all land over here, baby. <laughs> we all land over here, dog. What you mean? See, this is why I love you, John, because I'm on a podcast with like a bunch of Clemson haters and people <laughs> that love to just give me trash over my Clemson fandom. Like I got a partner when you're here with me, man. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We need to. And hey, you know what? If we don't draft a quarterback, I'm telling you, Brian Brissett might be my pick. I'm telling you, Brian Brissett might be my pick if the Panthers don't draft a quarterback. I've been saying forever, we need another defensive tackle. We need another defensive tackle to go next to Derrick Brown, not only for just the health of our overall D-line, but you're going to see the best out of Derrick Brown once we finally do get another guy that can that can pass rush, that can eat up some double teams, that can do those kinds of things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man. Uh, it, you know. Man, I can stay on here all day with you, Cody. I got to go get my kids, bro, man. It, it has been an absolute pleasure. I love you guys' show, man. I have always been a huge fan. You, Tony, CK, Greg. Man, y'all are some of the best parts of my week uh, each week, you know, stopping to listen Appreciate to you guys, you. man. And, uh, Man, I, I can't tell you how proud I am of you guys and, you know, how far the show has come and, and how much more you're going to grow. Um, shout out to all you guys in the chat. I see a lot of you guys, a lot of your, you know, you guys as fans have become, you know, or I wouldn't say fans, but, you know, like members, people that, you know, yeah. uh, fans of the team, not necessarily of our channels, but, the, you know, fans of the team, because I'm a fan myself, you know, I'm not anybody, you know, or whatever, but like. Uh, it is cool to see, you know, so many of those people kind of in community with myself, with all the other creators, man. And it's just, you know, it, it's dope, man. But you guys have a special place in my heart, man. So I'm always glad to uh, come on and and, uh, and chop it up with you. Love you, Big John. I definitely appreciate Likewise, the kind man. of words. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, hey, if y'all have not done so already, what are you doing with your life, man? Go search One Carolina on YouTube. 
and show that C3 love to my man, John, man. You, hey, one of the things I've been saying for all Panther content creators, man, I, I, I really do. I, I believe, especially in, in YouTube and in today's world, the rising tide lifts all boats. There's Amen. no reason why we all can't have success talking about our favorite football team, man. So, yes, John, I so much appreciate you coming on. You've definitely helped the conversation. Some great points. Uh, yeah, man. Anything uh, you want to plug? Plug everything that 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 uh, that you got to plug before you get out of here, man. Man, listen, nothing to plug, man. I love the Carolina Panthers. I love y'all. Y'all know my tagline at the end. Keep positivity in your mind, Christ in your hearts, and keep pounding. Hey, keep pounding. Appreciate you, John. Yes, Appreciate you, my brother. Man, shout out to Big John from One Carolina. Love that dude, man. Love that dude. Always makes for a great discussion. Uh, uh, with the 199, says, I'm not against Clemson. Uh, I'm for real. He's just being objective. Nah, we're just playing with you. Just, we appreciate you, bro. Um, but yeah, man, that was it. Y'all have now heard from Frank Reich. You've heard my opinions on the matter. You've heard John's opinion on the matter. White chocolate came in. Panther Pickle came in. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I think the future is bright for the Carolina Panthers. I'm not just being a homer and saying that. I really do feel like the Panthers are, are doing something new. And personally, I hope Frank Wright calls plays. If I'm being very real, I think no matter who the offensive coordinator is, it's time that we had a, a coach that is so in control of the offense that he's the one calling plays. And Frank Reich wants to do it. You heard him in the press conference. Um, he enjoys doing it. He feels like he's good at doing it. And I think that's going to help him form a better relationship with whoever the quarterback ends up being, man, whether it be uh, Matt Corral or Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. I just think that's going to be better for the overall health and future success of the Carolina Panthers, man. So I'm pumped. I love that the Panther players were in attendance as well. Dante Jackson, Jeremy Chin. It came up Quanu, Austin Corbett, I believe, Brady Christensen. Like these 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 boys feel like they have something to build on. Like they have something that's right around the corner for them. And like my man Choppy says, I smell a Super Bowl coming soon. Keep pounding, you dig? What's up, man? I love it. I love it. I love it. I feel like the Panthers are on the right track uh ladies and gentlemen that's probably gonna be it for your boy for this afternoon but don't worry you're not even gonna go 24 hours without hearing from us again tonight me tony dunn greg the bat daddy ck the voice that makes the moist we'll be going back live at nine o'clock for another edition of the c3 panthers podcast We'll be breaking down all the news, all the info, all the ins and outs, because that's what we do, baby. And you already know what we're going to do. We're going to keep pounding. Peace and love. Sweet. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.